live from the downtown studio. The Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, that was a quality effort for the Calgary Flames tonight in Boston. Start to finish, the better team is dominant as they've been all year, and the Flames come away with an impressive 4-1 victory over the Bruins to kick off a four-game road trip. That is how you come out of an all-star break if you're the Calgary Flames. Welcome to our Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and let's head right to Boston and check in with the guy who led the way with a goal and three points. Jonathan Huberdeau joins us from TD Garden in Boston right now. Uh, and Jonathan, that's a solid night for your group what'd you make of the way uh, your team came out of the all-star break yeah it's uh it's you know one of the most complete games we played all year and uh you know coming in after the break i think guys are re-energized and you know it showed tonight and against a really good team on the road um that's what we're gonna keep doing you know the rest of the road trip it felt like that your group was kind of shot out of a cannon, Jonathan. It felt like you were out to prove a point as a group right from puck drop. Is is that kind of how it felt to you as well? Yeah, I think, I mean, we know we're a good team. I know we, we make, you know, there's some changes that have been done, but I think, you know, you guys coming in, you know, playing well. I thought, you know, as a group, uh, you know, every line was going. Every D, Marky was really good, I think. You know, it's a team effort. That's how we're going to win every night. And, you know, that's what we did. Power play was clicking as well. So that was a positive point. How did it feel like you've played with uh, Yegor Sharangovich? You've been playing with Sharky for quite some time. But Andre Kuzmenko on your line, you uh, get an assist on his first goal with your team less than five minutes in. How did it feel playing with Kuzmenko tonight? Yeah, I mean, he's a special player. You can see a lot of skills. Uh, he can shoot the puck, really good shot, and he makes some plays. I think, uh, you know, we, we talk a little bit. we got to make some plays. Our line playing in the offensive zone, and I think Sharkey has a, you know, he hasn't played center in a while, and, you know, that was a really good game. If you're responsible defensively, and I think we're going to be, we can be a special line if, if we do that every day. How'd you feel out there individually, Jonathan? Yeah, I felt pretty good. Feel good tonight. Uh, like I said, I think that break was good. Came back, felt pretty good, and I think, you know, I said it this morning, it would be a little unselfish. It was nice to get one and been a while. And, um, you know, I just got to keep working every night and it's going to get better. And a final thought, walk us through that goal because I, I know it's not the game winner, but it felt like as soon as that goal went in, it was game over in that building. Uh, you, you, you forced it and then you finished it. How did you see it come together? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, good forward check by, by Naz and, uh, you know, came back before the face-up. We said, let's get one so we can, you know, they just came back to one and it'll be a used goal, and that's what we did. And I think, you know, a little turnover, a little good stick by Naz in, in the corner. And after that, I just kind of tried to pick a corner and it went in. Jonathan, congratulations on the three points. More importantly, congratulations on the win. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, and good luck on Thursday. All right, thank you very much. That is Jonathan Huberdeau post-game in Boston. As he leads the way, he's your number one star as the Flames take a 4-1 victory over the Boston Bruins. Hey, we're underway. It is your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pat Steinberg along with you, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills with you as well. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines open at 403-240-4444 and the text line 
lines open at 960, 960. Uh, hey, Mick, I mean, <laughs> Coming, coming out of an all-star break, taking on the number one team in the Eastern Conference with a brand new roster. You've got a debut in Andre Kuzmenko, who scores less than five minutes in. Uh, a very beleaguered player in Jonathan Huberto leads the way with a goal and three points. And as one-sided a game that we've seen the Flames play all year long, they pounded the Boston Bruins from almost start to finish. That, uh, that's a good way to come out of the all-star break, I would suggest. No doubt. And if you look at the team that we saw when the Flames played the Chicago Blackhawks before the break and the team that we saw tonight, I mean, it was day and night. And it's not just because of the lineup changes, but it was just the way that they played, the jump that they had. And maybe that comes from those injections into the lineup is where that that energy and that jump comes from. But it was just their their complete game and the way that they managed the puck, the way that they moved the puck. It was a, a solid game. And then obviously, just offensively, a lot more pop and a lot more creativity and something that this team has been missing. And, I, you know, I was thinking this morning about how this game was going to go. And if I was a player, I would think of those changes that were being made to the lineup. And it kind of gives you a little bit of a fresh start, right? You're coming out of a break mentally and physically. You're rejuvenated and your team looks very different. Talked about on the pregame show, you look at the lineup when they played against the Chicago Blackhawks and compare it to tonight. They had three different lines. Uh, and so only one forward line stayed the same. Only one defensive pairing stayed the same. So, you know, a lot of changes and, and a little bit of a fresh start for this group. And that's a, that's a great start yeah. to this road trip. Well, we said uh, prior to the game starting that the Flames were going to have to play pretty close to a full 60 minutes, as cliche as that might sound, to beat uh, a team in the Bruins that won the President's Trophy last season that uh, went into action tonight, tied for first overall in the NHL. And I'm not sure the Flames have played a more complete game all season than the one they played tonight. Yeah. They were really good from start to finish. They built that 2 nothing lead in the first period. Uh, great to see Andre Kuzmenko score pretty quickly in his Flames debut. And then they just smothered the Bruins in the second period. Remember, the Bruins only had three shots on goal in the first 19, 19 and a half minutes of the second period in a game they trailed by two goals in. They had a couple of shots late in the period, a bit of a flurry there. But uh, in the third period, after giving up a goal that made it two to one, Flames didn't flinch. They just uh, got back to playing the right way. And the Bruins looked completely out of sync pretty much from start to finish in this hockey game. And part of that might have been them being rusty coming out of a nine-day break. But hey, the Flames had a nine-day break mm -hmm. as well. And I think uh, a big part of it was the fact that Calgary just was relentless in their style of play, and, and Boston just couldn't get going tonight. So I give the Flames a ton of credit. That is a big win for them coming out of the break. Our marquee matchup tonight brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. We were talking about day one after the Elias Lindholm trade, or game one after the Elias Lindholm trade. Um, and, and you know what? Uh, Vancouver wins on Tuesday night, 3-2 in Carolina, and Elias Lindholm has two goals in his Canucks debut. But you know what? Andre Kuzmenko scores a goal at 4:20 of the first period. He's already got his first as a member of the Flames, and it was Jonathan Huberdeau who gets the primary assist. Now, it's on the power play, and I thought as the line, Kuzmenko, Huberdeau, and Yegor Sharangovich kind of tailed off as the night went along at 5-on-5. Five five. But Derek on the power play, Huberdeau looked dom uh, looked dynamic all night. And I thought of the three, Huberdeau looked by far the most dynamic all night. I, that's 
There, there, there's some things to like, some definite positive takeaways to kick things off with a brand new number one offensive line, if that's what you want to call it. I, I, at the, the very least, you come away from their first game together and say, there's some things to build on, some things to fix, but definitely some things to build on. Yeah, and I mean, five on five, I thought that Andre Kuzmenko's best period was the first period. Agreed. But you have to keep in mind that it's been a bit of a whirlwind for him, getting traded from Vancouver to Calgary and going from the Canucks to the Flames, uh, trying to uh, adapt to being in a new city for the blink of an eye and then going to Boston to start a four-game road trip, a uh, new team, a new way of playing. So there's been a lot for him to uh, to try to get his head wrapped around in the last handful of hockey, a uh, handful of days, but uh, played a pretty good hockey game in his Flames debut tonight. Thought Yegor Sharangovich didn't look out of place at center, uh, playing first-line center for the first time with the Flames. And I thought Jonathan Huberdeau had his best game of the season and maybe his best game since joining the Flames last season. He was dangerous from start to finish, and as Megan pointed out, not only good with the puck, but pretty darn good without the puck, which can be a concern for him sometimes. And just quickly before you jump in, Mick, uh, that's just the second three-point game that Jonathan Huberdeau's had since joining the Flames. He had a three-point game against San Jose back in December of 2022 when he had three assists tonight, a goal, and three points. Yeah, and I mean often when you look at trades, you look at what you're giving up versus what you're getting back. But I also look at the fact that you look at Elias Lindholm and Andre Kuzmenko, they were players that were both not having very good seasons in the teams that they were on and they needed a fresh start. They needed to go somewhere else where they could just, they could start fresh and have sort of a, a new beginning and, and turn the page. But you know, we've talked a lot this season about Jonathan Huberto and Elias Lindholm, and were they a good fit playing with one another? And I think the answer to that is no. At the end of the day, you know, Jonathan Huberto wasn't playing the way that we have seen from him in the past in terms of the way that he played when he was with the Panthers. Um, and he... He needs to play with a guy who can score. He needs to play with a sniper and a guy that he can just feed pucks. And so for me, when you look at this trade, you get a guy like Andre Kuzmenko who can absolutely rip the puck. But it's also evident in this first game, and I know it's only one game. It's a very small sample size. But if in getting a player like Kuzmenko, if that forces or allows Jonathan Huberto to elevate his game. I would say not even one level. I would say two or three levels tonight in terms of what he is capable of. Then that is huge for this Calgary Flames team. Let's select tonight's hardest working flame following a Flames 4-1 win and an impressive one on the road in Boston. The hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Lots of candidates tonight, Mick. Which one are you going with, though, this evening? Well, I'm going to go with Jonathan Huberto. I just I really liked his game and mentioned it on the broadcast, not just in terms of producing offensively, but also liked, and we heard him just talk in the, the interview with him now, was about being responsible defensively. And so, you know, I would agree with Wilsey in terms of, I think that was his best game as a Calgary Flame, to be honest. And 
a lot of that has to do with the fact, you know, I'm, I'm very, very critical when it comes to defensive play. It was something I was always very hard on myself with. And I thought that he was, he was really good defensively That top line. Yes, they did taper off over the course of the game, but I thought Jonathan Huberto, I thought he was solid from start to finish. Jonathan Huberto, hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon plumbing and heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements. Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. As we continue along in your Flames Talk postgame show, where the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line open at 960-960. 4-1-Flames win over the Boston Bruins. Uh, a couple of other, uh, just uh, some observations. We'll uh, hear from head coach Ryan Huska very shortly and then start diving in on your phone calls. But, you know, we had a Flames debut for Braden Pahal. We had a season debut for both Jacob Pelche and... And Kevin Rooney, just some thoughts on what we saw. If anybody stood out, all three of them, wherever you want to go with that, guys. I really liked Brayden Pahal. Uh, I think that he plays a really simple, quiet game, but he he's solid in terms of he makes he makes the easy play, but he makes the right play as well. Liked his his physicality and the edge that he brought. So I think that he's so far he's he's a great addition to that blue line. Adds a little bit of depth before. You know, there's probably going to be a, a move made at some point. So a, a great pickup for sure. Really liked the fourth line with Jacob Peltier and Kevin Rooney. Uh, they just they had so much more speed and pace to their game. And I also thought that the way that they played, they forced Walker Dewar to pick his socks up, too. And he played a, a much better game just in terms of speed and physicality. So. Really liked all of those guys in the lineup tonight. The fourth line, that's something that this team has struggled to find a fourth line that can find an identity and really do a job in play, in terms of playing a role in that fourth line and playing in the other teams and tiring them out. And I thought that they did a really good job of that. And I mean, hats off to Jacob Peltier and Kevin Rooney. Rehab is not easy to go through, especially... When you have a major surgery like that, I, I haven't had shoulder surgery, but I have had major knee construction, reconstruction, sorry. And it is, it's not easy to go through. It's really, really hard. And both players have talked yeah. about that. I've seen teammates go through the shoulder surgery and rehab and it, it's really tough. So, uh, but I thought that they looked excellent tonight. And just before you jump in with, with observations, Wills, I just wanted to point this out. First of all, um, in, in terms of the line combinations, which did get a little juggled around once Pospisil was booted from this game. But uh, Pelche, Rooney, and Dewar, when they were together, they played 652 at 5-on-5, 64.3% offensive zone possession, 9-5 were the shot attempts. And here's the other interesting thing, Wilsey, as you jump in. You know, we talked on the roundtable on Tuesday afternoon about how things get utilized, how the lines get utilized with, you know, Sharon Govich moving to the middle on more of an offensive line. So how's this? Uh, the Backland line with Coleman and Mangiapane, just a 22% offensive zone start tonight. Mm -hmm. The Sharon Govich, Huberto, Kuzmenko line, 80%, and then uh, 50% for the other lines tonight. So it, 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 they, they, at least in night one, they leaned heavily on the Backland line for defensive starts. But the fourth line... It, it really pulled its weight tonight, and, and they gave them a really solid game. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that number is going to change all that much. To be I honest. don't think so. so. I, I was just going to say, I think it's going to stay exactly yeah, the same. I, I think they're probably going to have to lean a little bit heavier on Kadri's line for defensive zone starts, which at this time of the year, 
I think the timing's a lot better than it would have been earlier this season, where you've got two rookies flanking a veteran. They've had a chance to get their feet wet at the NHL level now. So the experience that uh, Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil have gained in the first 50 games of the season, uh, I think it's going to help them in the back half in the final 32 games. So I think you can lean a little bit heavier on those three players, but I suspect we're going to see heavy offensive zone starts for that new look first yeah. line with Yegor Sharangovich between Jonathan Huberdeau and Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, of course, Michael Backlund between Andrew Majapani and Blake Coleman are, are going to get hammered with defensive zone starts. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because the Flames' fourth line has had a handful of good games this season. And I thought the fourth line tonight certainly had a good game with Kevin Rooney up the middle. I thought the veteran brought some stability to that line. Uh, as Megan mentioned, Walker Dewar played his best game in quite some time tonight. And uh, the energy that Jacob Pelche brought to that line and probably to the dressing room and to the bench and to the ice, uh, just a shot in the arm for the Flames because we know how he is. And thinking about the four Flames who made their debuts tonight, so two guys making their season debut, two guys making their team debut, I actually like them all. Hard not yep. to like uh, a member of the Flames at a 4-1 victory over the Bruins tonight, but Andre Kuzmenko scores a big goal to get his team going and to, to put them out in front, and they never trailed in this hockey game, so getting off to a good start, and you guys both talked about it pregame, so important against the Bruins team that when they get ahead of you, they make it really hard to come back. So he did his job putting the puck in his opponent's net, and uh, obviously... Braden Pahal is a guy who people at this level don't know a lot about, only played in 17 games with the Golden Knights this season, but right shot defenseman who can play on your third pairing. And for a team that doesn't have a lot of toughness or physicality, I thought that's what he brought tonight. So yeah. he, he was a nice fit, and we'll see if he can continue to play alongside Oliver Shillington on the third pairing. And then Kevin Rooney looked really good as this team's fourth-line centerman. And that's where I had him penciled in prior to the start of the season. And then he suffers that shoulder injury, which uh, forced the Flames to go in another direction. But, you know, he's a guy who can skate. He's got good size. He's got a lot of experience in this league. And I thought he made some smart plays tonight and also did a nice job in the penalty kill for them against a really dangerous Bruins power play. And then Jacob Pelche. Again, I talked about his energy. The, the Flames had way more energy than the Bruins tonight. And I've got to think that getting Pelche back and having four guys make their debut, either this season or with the team, that had to, to give the Flames a shot in the arm going into this game against the Bruins. So small sample size, one game coming out of the break. The Flames were a lot better and looked a lot less rusty than the Bruins, but now you got to back it up. You go to New Jersey to take on the Devils yeah. on Thursday, and we'll see if they can uh, stretch the streak to three. Uh, let's get some final thoughts. Uh, the phone lines are open to you momentarily there and on the text line, uh, and we'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska in just a few seconds' time as well. But first, some final thoughts from our broadcast crew of Megan and D Derek, starting with Mick as the Flames move into uh, the tri-stared area to take on the New Jersey Devils on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have too much more to add on top of what we've already talked about, but the big question mark for me is, you know, great. You just beat the Boston Bruins 4 to 1 coming off of the All-Star break. That's a really solid start, especially with all the changes that have been made, but the biggest challenge and the biggest issue for this Flames team over the course of the season has been with consistency. 
Can you play that well consistently? So I think, you know, it's great. A lot of good things, a, a lot to like, really liked, especially the way that they just absolutely suffocated. The Bruins gave them zero time and space. So going to need more of that. But but can you build on that? Can you do more of that? And can you do it on a consistent basis? For me, again, the Flames had way more energy than the Bruins. And I'm not sure if Boston took Calgary lightly or, or what happened or if, now, one team was uh, just a little bit sharper coming out of a nine-day break than the other, but this game really wasn't close from start to finish. And I know the Bruins made it a one-goal game at one point in time, but even after that, it didn't really feel like the Flames were in dire straits, even though they had to get through a penalty kill to, to maintain their one-goal lead, and then they quickly built a, a two-goal lead again. But the big difference for me... The Flames' best players were their best players. The Bruins' best players were not their best players. The best thing that Brad Marchand did tonight was draw two penalties. And David Posternock, who has been one of the best players on the planet this season, I thought he was absolutely dreadful tonight, by his standards at least. So I thought the Flames did a really good job making life difficult for specifically those two guys, but mm -hmm. some of the other Bruins' top players as well. And I mentioned it on the broadcast, Megan. It jumped out to me early in this game that the Flames were going out of their way to make life miserable for the Bruins' top guys. When they had a chance to hit them, they finished their checks. And maybe that had something to do with Marchand and Pasternak having off nights, but... That was a really strong game from top to bottom, from start to finish. Jacob Markstrom was better than Jeremy Swayman, who's been one of the best goalies in the league this season. So that's a big win for a team that, uh, even though they won their last game before the break, didn't feel good about how they beat the Blackhawks one nothing back on January 27th. I guarantee they're feeling great about how they beat the Bruins 4-1 tonight. So we'll see if they can build on that. Uh, big game coming up, Sharon Govich versus Toffoli. Flames versus Devils on Thursday. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your Tuesdays. Talk to you on Thursday, friends. Thank you. Thanks, Good night. Pat. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson signing off following a 4-1 Flames win on the road in Boston and an impressive one at that. Let's check in with the head coach. Let's hear from Ryan Huska. His thoughts following a second consecutive win for the Flames. Maybe just a, a thought on the start. You come, come back from the break. We obviously look for um, this was one of our better games this year. Um, I thought it was a really good team game where the guys came to play the right way. They were simple, I, I thought, for the most part tonight, and I thought we skated really well. So it's nice, nice to see. But um, for me, it was one of those nights where the four lines were going, and it makes everybody's job much easier when you're spreading out some ice time. So I thought Rooney's line did an excellent job for us, and it's something we haven't seen for a, a little while. Yeah, the team effort, as I mentioned before, I thought it was a really good one for us tonight in a lot of different ways. Um, our goaltender again, you know, early in the game, he stopped that shorthanded breakaway um, that they had, and then we were able to come back and score right away. So to me, that's a, a, a turning point for sure. Um, and then our power play getting to, it's been, I don't know if we've had two yet this year at some point, maybe early in the season we did, but that's a, a real positive for us because even the one we didn't score at, at the end of the game, it was dangerous. It looked good. And that's something that we want to keep seeing. What did you like from the Kuzmenko, Huberto, Sharon? Um, they, well, they, they moved the puck around fairly well in the offensive zone. And we talked this morning, Eric, about not really sure what we were going to get on the defensive side of things, but I thought Sharon did a really good job of making sure he was responsible and 
um, you know, in, in the right position in our own zone. And then once they got puck into the offensive zone, they made some good plays and they had some other chances that they could have generated as well. So it's a start and hopefully they can continue to build some chemistry. And defensively, I don't know if you talked about them to, to a team. Yeah, they didn't spend a ton of time in their own zone. You know, that's uh, an important thing. Um, and when they were in there, as I mentioned, I thought they did a good job, the three of them. We also, sorry, we also spoke this morning about, you know, you, I asked if you were going to find out a lot more about this team's character tonight. You said absolutely. Yeah. What does this effort tell you about the character of this team? That, well, it, it, I, I think it reinforces what we knew, that there there is a lot in that room. And again, I go back to starting with backs. It starts with our leaders and Chris and Coles and making sure that, they played the game the right way. We had a tough stretch leading up to this game before the break, and we have good people in our room, so it's nice to see them get rewarded after a, a really good game for us. You lose Mosfisil, obviously, uh, yeah. earlier on, but you know, you're know you kind of spreading some of it. Did you feel like, as you mentioned, the fourth line or the rooting line, you were able to use everybody throughout yeah. the course of the night and get, get contributions? For sure. Like I thought Pelche had a really good game for us. I thought Rooney had a very good game for us. Um, Walker Dewar played really well for us, and it just... As I mentioned, it'll, when you've got all four lines going, it allows you to spread the ice time out a little bit more and it keeps guys fresher, if I can say that. And when you are fresh on the ice, you don't make the mental mistakes or turn pucks over in certain areas. So I, I thought we were able to do that. And the same for Pahal on the back end. Um, there was edge that he brought to the game tonight. And for his first game with us too, I was very um, pleased with how he played as well. Okay, thank you, guys. There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska postgame from Boston where his team takes an impressive 4-1 victory over the Boston Bruins. Uh, Flames now with consecutive wins to get themselves back one game above the 500 mark. Solid night for Jonathan Huberdeau. Andre Kuzmenko scores his first goal as a member of the Flames. They got contributions from all four lines. A quiet three assists from Nazem Kadri. That line of Backlund, Coleman, and Manjapani may have been kept off the score sheet, but they were dominant. Uh, so a really solid, I, I would just overall suggest a dominant night for the Flames. And yeah, the Bruins did not have it. I, I will not I will not dispute that, and I'm sure we'll get some texts or some calls about that. But, you know, from a straight-up flame standpoint, uh, they were on it, and they did exactly what they needed to do. They played the type of hockey they're going to need to play as this season goes along. And 1-0 since the Elias Lindholm trade. Uh, they go for 2-0 on Thursday when the Flames take on the New Jersey Devils. Okay, Flames Talk postgame is underway at 403-240-4444. Text line 960-960. Your phone calls, your text coming up as we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame show. Flames win 4-1, and uh, they move on through this four-game road trip Thursday into New Jersey. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, Flames kicking off a four-game road trip with a 4-1 victory over the Boston Bruins. They come out of the All-Star break with one of their best efforts, if not their best effort of the season. And uh, that's a nice way to kick this road trip off and a nice way to kick off the post-Elias Lindholm era as a member of the Flames as well. Kick off the Andre Kuzmenko era in Calgary, and he helped do that with a goal. As we welcome you back to our Flames Talk post-game show, following a 4-1 Flames win in Boston, it's Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts and honestly i mean i i 
I thought the Flames were the better team almost start to finish. The only time where it felt like this game might swing, and 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 part of this goes to how poorly Boston played as well, and I, I, I don't mention that to take anything away from the Flames at all because that's that's not what I'm doing, but I just, I mention it to to give you a, a really good idea of how well the Flames played and, and how this game, you know, how one-sided this game was. So, the Flames were by far the better team through 40 minutes, and uh, they were full marks for a two nothing victory. Then they take a you know they take a bad penalty or a, or or a you know a, a a penalty that got from a little bit of running around in their own zone when Pahal took the hooking call. And then Mackenzie Weger takes the unfortunate high sticking double minor that puts the Bruins on an extended five on three and gives them lots of power play time. Bruins score. TD Gardens rock, and you're like, oh boy, here come the Bruins. And the Bruins still had more than three minutes of power play time remaining after the Pavel Zaka goal to get him on the board and they had some zone time they had a couple of near misses and then a ridiculous too many men on the ice penalty shoots him completely in the foot and I give the Flames credit again for taking advantage of it they go four on four and Jonathan Huberdeau scores the uh, dagger it wasn't the game winner it was the dagger that Ended up sealing this one for Calgary just over two minutes after Zaka scores. Less than two minutes after uh, Zaka scores, actually. Um, A little bit more. Sorry, bad math. But it was Zaka scoring at 414 and then Huberdeau at 623. So just like that, two minutes and nine seconds later, it's 3-1. Complete silence in that building. Bruins then just waved the white flag and went through the motions for the rest of it. And the Flames took a very well-deserving win. I thought they got great contributions from all four of their lines. And it wasn't even a four-line game because they were down to 11 forwards on the Martin Pospisil game, um, game misconduct. And they dealt with that just fine. I thought all three pairings had pretty solid nights. Uh, Specifically, the one that we had our eyes on, Shillington and Pahal, thought that you come away feeling pretty good about what they gave you in their time tonight. Um, You know, was it it a ton of time out there for Shillington and Pahal? Maybe not, but they they both played decently well together on a left-right pairing. Not a whole lot to dislike from the Flames tonight and uh, a nice way to kick off the road trip. Now you got to keep it going against New Jersey and you you know that, you know, this was a night where everything went Calgary's way on top of them playing really well. So, you know, games aren't going to be as easy going forward, but I think from an effort standpoint, that's a blueprint and that's going to be whether Lindholm was here or not. That's going to be the way this team plays their best hockey when they can get contributions from all four lines. I think that was probably the best fourth line game the Flames have had since, I don't know, October when Yegor Sharangovich was centering the fourth line. And uh, tonight, Rooney, Pelche, Dewar, when they were together, gave them really effective minutes, really effective minutes. And so that was impressive to see. Yeah. I thought it was a a really solid night up and down the lineup for the Flames. Last thing that I'll say before we uh, jump back inside the Flames locker room and then jump inside the text line on the phone on the phone lines. um, Good on Kuzmenko. We saw why he's an offensive high end talent, and he absolutely wired that one nothing goal. And I thought that there were stretches in the offensive zone where Kuzmenko, Huberdo, and Sharon Govich looked downright dynamic. Now. In saying that, there were also stretches away from the puck where they struggled. And and look, Kuzmenko's game is not one where 
the defending side and the away from the puck play is his strong suit. But when they had the puck and when they were in the offensive zone, which was more often than not, especially with an 80% zone start tonight, they were dynamic. And they look dynamic on the power play, which is important too. It's night one out of the all-star break. It's night one with Kuzmenko as a member of the Flames. I'm not making any declarations one way or the other, but I did think it was a pretty impressive way to start. Uh, Okay, let's hear from Andre Kuzmenko. Scored his first as a member of the Calgary Flames. Just finished uh, wrapping up his post-game thoughts in Boston on this Tuesday night. First goal is a flame. How did that one feel for you? Good feeling. Good feeling because we win. It's good. I like it. Because I say before season, <laughs> I won't play to playoff. I try. <laughs> it's every game. It's a little step, step, step. Today is a so difficult game for me because I'm tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. I think maybe play is a 40 minutes, 50 minutes, but not 15. <laughs> yes, I, today is a normal game. It's not too much good because it's a, we have a lot of chance. It's uh, We need more goals. It's uh, my line. It's good. Good line. It's very good connection. It's every shift is a talk. I like it. I like it. It's Shankovic uh, and Huberdo is a very great player. Very great players. And the power play is good. I hope, I hope it's a good result. Why do you think the connection was so good, especially between you and Huberto today? Uh, I think we play the same game. It's not uh, simple, the game. It's, uh, I don't know what's in, what's his English words, is, uh, this words is, uh, is every time change, every um, stop and the pass back is a lot of moments. I like it, and uh, Sharangovic is a so great center. So very good speed, very fast, and uh, very high IQ, hockey IQ. I like it. We'll see how we play in the future. But as a first game, it's, it's good. It's better. Did you feel comfortable on the power play that you guys were moving it around nice? Yes, yeah. yes, nice. It's a great power play as a player. Today is a free assist. It's so great. And uh, I like it. I think that the... <laughs> gonna be hard to dislike this guy i'm gonna be hard I, I, i'm gonna be honest with you um i think that the takeaway from andre kuzmenko's first post game media availability is i like it uh and it was a good start for that line uh, there's lots to like with uh, the way they moved it around offensively kuzmenko had a few chances tonight um and and i you know the one thing that i thought the first thing that i thought as soon as they acquired him from the vancouver canucks was i wonder what he looks like with Huberdo, different player than Lindholm, completely different. Lindholm and Huberdo never a match made in heaven. Offensively, the first thing I thought, Kuzmenko's shot, his dynamicism, the way that he's not afraid to do things with the puck in the offensive zone. Could this be the exact, whether it's for this season only, this season and next season, or only for a month before the trade deadline? I have no idea, but I thought to myself, could that be the right foil? And you move Sharon Govich to the middle. There's going to need to be some work done there. The face-offs are going to have to improve, all that type of stuff. But I was, you, saw, you saw some real flashes with those two playing together. You also saw some defensive liabilities from that line, um, which is going to be a part of it. And, and especially as they are learning to play together, 
but I, I would come away far more positive with the offensive flash that that line showed in a win over the Boston Bruins. Okay, save of the game time, then to the text line and the phone line. Save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. Jacob Markstrom was pretty close to a second consecutive shutout. He pitched a five-on-five shutout tonight. The only goal that beat him was a power play goal, and Jacob's save of the game tonight comes in period number two. Hopefully the Flames' new defender's okay. He is as he's back on his feet. The handling in here is Geeky. Centers it, and Alauka with a shot. Stopped by Markstrom. And the Flames goaltender, after making his best save of the game, holds on. That is Jacob Markstrom's save of the game. That's one of his 21 stops tonight. And the save of the game is brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Okay, let's get to the text line at 960-960 on this Tuesday night jump in and uh let's hear what we've got uh, what you've got to say following a 4-1 win over the boston bruins uh this reads from mike who's a 40 hero 40 year plus beleaguered flames fan but happy tonight says might be one of the best games the flames have played all year i can never figure out how they can play so well against some of the best teams in the league and lay an egg against teams like chicago it's what happens with middle of the road teams sometimes Mike and that's what the Flames have, have proven to be so far this season. Scotty and Victoria great effort by the boys tonight because Mike first goal in red and it was a beauty Huberdeau with a goal and two assists love to see it can't leave Kadri out with three assists either he's looking great this season they look strong from minute one to 62 power play goals a great penalty kill for the most part I'm happy and Snipe Manko seems happy too you think Pospisil will, will receive a suspension that comes from Scotty and Victoria. No, I don't. I never like to guess with the DLPS, but I'm going to say no. My my guess would be the five in a game covers it. Marchand was fine. He continued on for the rest of the game. Um, I I I didn't mind it. Like I I didn't think it was like an egregious five minute major, but I don't think it's suspension worthy either. I I really don't. I I think that would be silly. Um, Did Pospisil maybe go over the line a little bit? Yeah, maybe. Um, Was it a cross check? Probably not. Could it have been a punch to the face or a butt end or an elbow? It looked like all three of those things before it looked like a cross check. But nonetheless, it being a five-minute major, I had no problem with. But if there were to be a suspension, I'd be a little surprised. I don't think there should be. This from Leandro. Hope you had a great all-star break, Pat. Really great to have you back. Wow, wow, wow. What a game. I'm going to have to add Kuzmenko to my favorite flames along with my boys Huberto and Markstrom. Boy, that Kuzmenko-Huberto combo is looking deadly. That, I think, from the start to the finish might be the most complete game they've played. Uh, Pahal looks solid as well. Pelche brought some smiles and solid play from the bench. That being said, I personally hope Hannafin stays. I know it's early. But what do you think the chances are of Kuzmenko sticking around for a while? Well, it's early. I think the Flames are open to flipping Kuzmenko between now and the deadline. I think the Flames are open to flipping him in the offseason. And I think the Flames are open to keeping him and see how it goes between now and the end of next season when his contract runs out. And if it continues to work, if it continues to work with Huberdeau, they may very well lean towards trying to keep them. It's one game, so I'm not going to start going too definitive one way or the other. But if it does end up being a good foil for Huberto, good chemistry consistently with Jonathan, then if you're the Flames, you have spent more than a season and a half twisting yourself in knots trying to get somebody who plays with your $10.5 million player 
if you finally find somebody, it's tough to then trade them. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's still lots of time between now and the trade deadline, though. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, this says... Uh, from Brad and Bridgeland, what a performance by the entire team. Fun game to watch. They played with pace and matched Boston's physicality. All of the new guys made an impact, but Huberto and Kadri putting up three points each can't be overlooked. Didn't like that call against Pospisil, but overall, a great game. Ethan in Saskatoon says, great night for the boys tonight. I thought the Kuzmenko line was good, and congrats to Huberto for a three-point night. What would you think of the Flames taking a player that's underperforming on another team and do what the Habs did with Monaghan? Well, they may have already done that with Kuzmenko. We'll see. Um, and if they were to do that again in a trade that also brings back some futures, yeah, I think there's lots to it. Um, this says, um, that was an unreal statement game from the Flames. I think the youth really influenced the vets to up their game. They played with unreal intensity for about 50 minutes. There was a bit of time there after Boston scored. They lost a bit of composure, but you can see that's where the veteran experience came in. Kuzmenko uh, had an, uh, and Huberdeau had incredible nights. I think this is what they both needed, a change of scenery. Lindholm, oh, I see. I, I changed it. Let me go back. Now I see what's going on. Kuzmenko and Lindholm had incredible nights. I think this is what they both needed, a change of scenery. Pospisil, that was a bad call. At, ba at, at best, roughing, not cross-checking. That's from Kyle and Calgary. Yes, he's talking about Lindholm, who at the same time as the Flames were beating Boston, scored twice for Vancouver in a 3-2 win over Carolina. Uh, so now I get what you're saying, Kyle. My bad for changing it. I should have trusted you. That's my fault. Uh, this from Adrian in Lethbridge. Almost feels weird to say this, but their best players were actually their best players. That was Huberto's best game as a flame, and seems like he has some great chemistry with Kuzmenko. I was a little skeptical of getting Kuzmenko on the trade, but if he continues to play like that, I will gladly admit I was wrong. Um, again, I, I just am going to hold off on definitive judgments on a trade one game after it. Had Kuzmenko and Huberto looked horrible, you know I would have said the same thing. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is it, they found it, and the Flames are now a cup contender like Boston because of one game. But I will say that it was promising and a nice start. And if it continues like that, then you've got some really interesting conversations to have. Uh, will in BC says... Before this game, I was looking forward to it thinking, win or lose, what are we going to see from these guys? Well, no complaints from me, and I have to say, good job, Huberdo. Two questions for you. With the last of the big line gone, do you think that's taken some pressure off of Huberdo? Also, do you think this was a glimpse of the future of the Conroy Flames? No excuses for Boston tonight, in my opinion. Both teams had a long break. Yeah, I wouldn't... Ex uh, uh, no excuses for me from Boston either. Did they play terrible? Yes. Did Boston, uh, did, did the Flames play into them playing terrible? Yes. And was a break an excuse for the Bruins? No, because the Flames had the same break and they were great and the Bruins weren't. So, yeah, I wouldn't be using the break as an excuse if I'm Boston. They just were no good and the Flames were strong. Uh, as for the first question about Huberdeau with pressure being off now that Lindholm, Goudreau, and Kachuk are gone, yeah, I never thought of that. But, Will, I, I, I don't know for sure, but... I can't sit here and say that you're wrong. Uh, as for the Conroy Flames, yeah, I, I think that the the mix of youth and, and veteran players 
We're going to see more of that going forward as, as Craig continues to put his stamp on this organization. A few more texts here at 960-960. Uh, Stafford from Bonas says, I know it's just one game, but it's surprising what can happen to the chemistry on a team when you remove those that aren't keen on being here and replace them with ones that are. Still hoping they can hang on to Hannafin, and with Shillington getting his legs, they might be okay on the back end. Oliver and Pahal are a definite improvement on that third defense pairing. It's apparent that a goal and Tanev will be gone by the deadline. My question to you, Pat, who would you rather see moved? Markstrom, who will generate a first and likely another roster player, or Vladar, who won't net you as much in the trade market? I'm going to say Vladar, just because even if you are going to move Markstrom, I think you get more for him in the offseason. So if they're going to move a goalie between now and the deadline, uh, I think Vladar should be the guy who moves. Uh... This says from Denny, Pat, I love the changes, but I can't help but feel bittersweet because they play lights out against contenders and come up flat against basement dwellers. Is that a mental thing? And is it harder to get up for those weaker opponents? I think partially that is it, but I also think it's kind of what happens sometimes when you're just a middle of the road roster, which again is what the Flames have um, shown that they are so far this season with time to show that they're more than that still. Neil in the Northeast says, first of all, want to send some love to Lanny and hope he's feeling better soon. As for the game tonight, I loved it and love seeing a blueprint for a winning strategy. Kuzmenko looked ready for his opportunity and I'm happy to see Huberto rack up some points. I think the retool is going well. Good, uh, good luck with the blackout and have a good night. Yes, we are working in a downtown power outage as it stands right now. Thank goodness for backup generators, right? Uh, this reads, Pat, great game by the Flames tonight. Somewhat lost in the Kuzmenko debut was the debut of Pahal. I thought he played a solid game with good tenacity, hustle, and physicality. How'd you see his play, and how do you see him fitting into the roster for the remainder of the season? Well, I think the way he fits is he's there. He's, he's got the best chance of regularly being a third pair right shot D. So right side third pair, if he proves that he's an everyday NHLer, then that's where he fits for now. If there's other trades, obviously that changes. But for now, I think that's that's where he shows that he is. Um, I thought he played, and, and if this is an indication of what's to come, then I think that that is very much a realistic target because I thought he played really well tonight. Um, and I, I thought he had a really strong outing. Uh, and finally, this from James in Regina who says, Pat, I made a bet with a coworker that Kuzmenko would score and the Flames would win. Can't wait to cash in tomorrow. I thought Huberdo had one of his best games as a Flame, and the new guys in the lineup all had a positive impact. Before Pospisil was tossed, the fourth line was actually a line that could be put on the ice, which is a big improvement. Let's, keep, uh, let's hope Kuzmenko can keep on filling the net. Great stuff so far on the text line at 969.60 as the Flames take a 4-1 win on the road in Boston on this Tuesday night. It's our Flames Talk post-game show. Pat Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to the phone lines now at 403-240-4444. We're coming out of the All-Star break, so we might as well say hello to George to kick us off. George is first up on our post-game show tonight. What's up, pal? Not much, Patty. Uh, how did you enjoy enjoy your vacation? Uh, it was it was good, man. It was quiet. And, uh, had to work a little bit on it, but for the most part, it was good. Yeah, I saw that. I was actually, I was literally about to board a plane when the Lynn home trade happened. So that was interesting for me too. I didn't get to hear everything until after I landed, and I went back to the podcast. So you did an excellent job from uh, with earpods, and one of them died. Is that correct? Yeah, one of them died right in the middle of the Conroy chat. 
Amazing. I mean, I, great job, though, man. I, I, You know, you can never predict when something like that can happen. But I'll say this. I don't know if you remember when we had the conversation. It was months ago. And I asked you, kind of half-jokingly, but I said, what happens if... I think we were talking about when they selected Lindholm. And remember, I was like, it should be Coleman and all that. And I'm like, what happens if this guy gets traded? Then what? And sure enough, it happened. Yeah. At the All-Star game. Hilarious. Yeah. And it did. And they didn't have a representative as a result. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, in a way, I kind of called that one. I don't know why I had a feeling that he might get traded then, but I had a feeling back then anyway. Um, on that trade, man, I, I mean, of course you can't judge a trade. You've taught me that lesson. You can't judge a trade, you know, days or a week after it happened. But, you know, in the present, I really, really like the return Conroy got, regardless of what happens. I mean, A, he got five assets for one. And let's let's be honest. Like when Lindholm was playing in Calgary, he was having, he was. Let's be honest. It was his worst year as a flame. So it's not like they were selling high on him either. So, um, the first round pick is the most important thing short term. Um, even if it's going to be a high pick, which it very likely will be with Vancouver. So that that's a win. Well, you use the term a win, but that's you know a, a plus. Um, Brustevich, I think that's how you pronounce Brustavich, his last yep. name. Um, yeah, very intriguing prospect, Patty. I, I know it's. It's easy for people to say – it's easy for like a player to tear it up in junior and then that doesn't always translate to the NHL. They know he needs some work on his defensive game, but, I mean, I've heard a lot of uh, positive things about him. So that's I think that's a high-quality asset they brought in. Um, you know, the other guy from uh, Sweden, Yermo, I believe, is uh, Finland. a wild card. So Finland. Finland, I apologize. Finland. That's, that could be a wild card, but you never know. I mean, the Flames have a tendency to get players like this and, you know, like a Pospisil, who would have ever thought Martin Pospisil would be an NHL or look at him, you know? So yeah. I thought a job very well done for Conroy. And honestly, I think it's a win-win trade. Like, I think Lindholm is a great fit in Vancouver. I think he's really going to help them. So, you know, I, I, I'm happy from uh, both sides of the fence. I think it was a, a great job by Conroy. And um, I'm very interested to see what he'll get for Tanev and if, they get the answer that they don't want from Hannaf and what they'll get from him. It's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks here. Absolutely. And I failed to mention it, but I'm going to now because I wanted to segue into Kuzmenko. I, I know some people were kind of miffed that they, they took him on, but, hey, you have to understand something. You probably wanted a roster player back, you know, to cover that spot. And then you had to give – if you're not taking a player like that back, you're you're retaining salary with Vancouver's uh, cap situation. Yeah, they needed I, to take they, they needed to take cap. money back. They wanted to get a roster exactly. player. Like it, it made sense for them to do that. Absolutely, and it's a safe bet because let's say okay, so tonight he was incredible. I really thought he was awesome. Um, let's say for argument's sake that ah uh, he just doesn't fit here either or whatever happens. Um, so what? You got him for half a year now. You got him for a year at five and a half million next year, and then he's off the book. So, and then if he plays good, then that gives you another problem in the positive direction. So, I don't, I, I had zero issue with that. In fact, I liked, I liked the risk of bringing that guy over because sometimes, like he played great under Boudreau in Vancouver, and then sometimes players don't mess with coaches. We've seen it here in Calgary, you know. So, uh, again, I'm, uh, um, and that's what Calgary needed—a right-hand sniper. I mean, that's what they needed since Toffoli left. So. Why not? I, I like it. And and if tonight's any indication, if he can thrive in Calgary, then that helps the team and that helps him too. So well, and, and what like it does that. is 
it gives you options. If if it exactly. becomes obvious that maybe you know they, if they fall out of it and come the trade deadline, it's like okay, well. Yeah, they're, they're probably not going to make it. Well, then you can flip Kuzmenko if he's still playing well for you. Or maybe that's an option for you in the offseason. Or as I said, maybe it works with, with Huberdo and this team that's been killing themselves to try to get somebody to work with Huberdo. And now all of a sudden you've got it. Well, maybe that's something you explore a little bit longer term. Huberdo remains a $10.5 million player in the largest contract in franchise history. So a lot of different options if Kuzmenko plays well. Exactly. And since the beginning of this season, how many conversations, how many discussions have we had? We've got to find someone for Huberto. Got to find Anthony Duclair, Anthony Duclair, Anthony Duclair. Why can't it be this guy? And if it's not, okay, then you look elsewhere. Because it, like you said, Huberto's not going anywhere. So whatever you can do to improve his play, you know, w- without going too crazy, of course, you do it. So this could be the solution. And maybe it's not. We'll see. It was one game tonight. The Flames played excellent. Boston was awful, but the Flames capitalized on it. And think about it too, Patty. You know, both both teams had a break. It wasn't just one or the other. So they're on the same playing field there. The other thing is, basically a quarter of the roster was different tonight. You know, you had four or five players out, and you inserted four new players. And you, you, know, you had Peltier, you had Rooney, Kuzmenko, and Braden Pahal. So... You know what I mean? I don't know if that gave them energy. I don't know. It probably did. It probably did. And I, I, I also, I, I, I talked about, and Jonathan Huberdeau talked about it off the top of our Flames Talk postgame here. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they also, you know, came out and say, okay, yeah, we just traded Elias Lindholm, but that doesn't mean that we're done. I think the Flames are out to prove a point, and they were out to make sure that they weren't listless coming out of the All-Star break. And and I also think that um, the the new faces Kuzmenko, Pahal, Pelche, and Rooney all coming into the lineup at the same time. I think it did give them a giant boost. And you know it's a double edged sword because eventually that does wear off too, right? But for one night, I, I think it worked perfectly for them. Yeah, mission accomplished, right? So good on them. Um, I'll let you go, Patty. But before I do, I do want to give my best wishes out to Lanny McDonald. I wish him a good and speedy recovery. That man means a lot to me and my family. He's he's literally the reason we are Flames fans. Uh, and I'll get into that story some other day. But best wishes to him. I wish him a good and speedy recovery. And it was good talking to you, my friend. I'm glad you got to rest and uh, charge those batteries up. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, George. Appreciate it, buddy. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 4-1 win on the road in Boston. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show on this Tuesday night. Flames kicking off a four-game road trip with a very impressive win. Uh, let's say hello now to Parsons on the phone lines on this Tuesday night. What's going on, Pars? Uh, actually, Pat, you got Carson here. Oh, this is Carson. Uh, it said Parsons yeah. on my uh, said Parsons on my call screen. Instead, it's Carson. Uh, okay, hello, yeah, Carson. Good. Welcome to Flamestock. How are we while. doing? How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Uh, not so bad. Um, I just kind of want to get into it over the uh, the sort of uh, big picture look at the team right now. If you sure. Don't mind. Yes, absolutely. Of course. Okay, so we're in a position here where, and it, it's. You know, it, it's beyond speculation. All the insiders are saying this is not a tear it to the studs rebuild. This is a retool, right? Correct. Yep. So, so with you know, with that being the case, and and everyone cites the reason as well. You have Jonathan Huberto at ten and a half million dollars. How can you rebuild when you have this kind of cap structure? My question is, how do you win a Stanley Cup with this kind of cap structure? In my mind, 
there is no question what you should be doing with Hannafin right now. He, the fact that he's on the fence at all, whether or not he wants to be a flame, I mean, you have to, you have to capitalize on the assets because Menko, if you're doing anything other than trying to pump his value and flip him, I think you're making a mistake. It's another player surrounding 30 years old. You can't dip your toe into this. Like, yes, quantity of assets is good, but you need quality. You need a number one elite center. You're not going to get that if you're drafting 12 for three years and then think you can flip it around. The, the team needs to shed, shed anything you can get an asset for and start weaponizing their cap space. Um, and the other thing that's intriguing, obviously, if you are going into a rebuild, two out of the next three drafts, there's a player named Naginla, um, you know, pretty high in the first round. My actual opinion is I think drafting those guys to Calgary might be putting too much pressure on them. Maybe that's actually not the best situation, but if I were the GM, I wouldn't be able to help myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, they are going, I, I, I don't think they are going to tear it to the studs like you just discussed. I really don't. Um, right. I, I do think they're going to try to do it a little bit more on the fly. That doesn't mean that that is the right way or the wrong way to do it, but I do think that's that's the way they're going to do it. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think you'll hear them use the word rebuild at any point. Uh, perhaps retool, but I do not believe the organization likes the word rebuild, and I believe that remains the case here on February sixth, twenty twenty four. You know, I'm curious to see how they can affect this, though. They 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 did a nice job on the Lindholm trade and getting future assets back? Are there more of those that they can pinpoint with Hannafin if they end up moving him? I'm with you. I still I understand the reasons for re-signing him, retaining him, and I don't think you're making a bad decision if you do retain Noah Hannafin on an eight-year extension because he's a good player. He really is, and he's a, he'd be an ambassador for this team, and he's in a great age range. So I don't think there's, like, downside to keeping him. The only downside is the upside that you're missing in a trade, and and with what Elias Lindholm just got him, if there's similar value out there, I, I think if you're the Flames, I lean towards trying to take advantage of that, especially to your point as a guy that, on February 6th, four and a half weeks from the trade deadline, still hasn't given them a signature on the dotted line. I would, I'm, I've kind of been in the 55-45 trading Hannafin camp, and, and that's where I remain. I think that they can get a really good return for Tanev, a really good return, and we'll see if there's anything else that, that happens between now and the trade deadline. So I, I do think they've got an opportunity here to, even if they aren't completely tearing it down, I do think they've got the opportunity to put themselves in a much better spot. And I think the goal is come the, the fall of 2027 when the new building opens downtown here in Calgary for them to be right. significantly more competitive. And so, you know, is that a full-on to-the-studs rebuild? No, it is not. And that is where I think a lot of people or, or some people would like them to go. But I do think that they are at the very least, going to put themselves in a position to be much more competitive um, and, and in a much better spot in the next few years here. Well, and, and I like that. The, the only thing is that I think if you're not ever picking in the top five, and you I know, the, one, I know. the one thing I understand is, is that pick is going to be going away. So I understand if you don't want to tank that year to save yourself of that embarrassment. 
that makes a lot of sense. Um, I just worry if they don't pick in the top five at some point, it, you're really just living on a hope on the prayer. To, to that point, Jacob Markstrom, nobody would have thought in the summer that Jacob Markstrom at the trade deadline would have a higher trade value than Dan Vladar. The idea that you're waiting to get a good return to trade Markstrom is insane to me. In the summer, like, if you can trade him for a fifth-round pick, you do it today in my mind, and you weaponize that cap space. I know they're not going to do that, but that's the way I look at it. I, I think you'd rather... I think you'd rather have um, good value for um, Jacob Markstrom if you're moving him. Um, but I've, I, see, I, I, I get what you're saying about weaponizing the cap space. I do, I do get what you're saying yeah. there. Uh, appreciate the call, Carson. You have yourself a great night, eh? You too, Pat. Oh, one, one last thing. Yeah. Kuzmenko's shooting percentage, it was 27% last year. It's down to 12 this year. It's still 20% on his career. I do think he's an offensively creative player, but I worry about talking about that 39 goal total. Uh, I don't, and I, I think that's fair. Do I think that we're talking about a guy who's going to be a 39 goal scorer every year? No, I don't. I also think it's, it's more than what we're, I, I think the guy's got 20 goal potential on a, on a yearly basis for the next number of years. 100%. He's got a dynamite shot. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Good night, Pat. Thanks Carson. Have a great night. Hey, you too. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames uh, 4-1 win on the road in Boston as we say hello to Ryan on the phone lines tonight. What's going on, Ryan? Hello, Pat. Hello, Ryan. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I, uh, I got, the, uh, got the wager in for the regulation win today, knowing that uh, it's a team that's better than us, and they always do well. And uh, that paid out quite well. I'm quite happy with that. Um, I wanted to say uh, hi, Elias, because anybody listens to the show. I, I miss you, and you, you're great. But uh, good job, Gregors. And way to get another American defenseman from Washington, Michigan, too. That's like two Americans. That's two states. It, it sounds it just sounds overwhelmingly down here. No. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, and uh, I think they, that's great to get another player that uh, maybe was I don't know, sort of in a Jaeger situation in New Jersey um, and Kuzmenko, and hopefully we can rehabilitate him sort of like the Patriots do with or used to do with so many players that were, you know, fledgling elsewhere. Um, I was very disappointed there to hear you talk to, uh, uh, was it Carson, uh, that uh, you, you support the NOAA uh, departure. As you know, that's, that's I'm very anxious times right now. I'm, I, I, oh, I support Noah's what? Noah being uh, let go for the potential trade value. Yeah, I, I and we've we've been on different sides of this the entire time. And honestly, and, and honestly, Ryan, I think that you see it from my side as well. And it's not like I'm pa- pounding my fist on the table no, to, oh, to, no. to to trade Hannafin. I'm like fifty five, forty five. As I said, I don't think there is a massive downside in keeping him. I'm a huge fan. Of the player, I think there's lots of benefit that would come with keeping him. His age, the fact that he would be an American defenseman inking on the dotted line to stay here as, as an ambassador, I think that would be huge. He, I, I think, is a really nice face of an organization in terms of how well-spoken he is, how outgoing he is. He's a really good defenseman, and he's got a great age range. I think all those things are good. At the same time, 
I do worry a little bit that he is yet to sign. It's February 6th, and he still hasn't signed the deal that's on the table. I think that is worry. Worrisome is the wrong word, but I think that's that's interesting at the very least. And I also think that you're talking about a huge return that you could get back for him in a trade similar to the one the Flames just pulled off with Elias Lindholm. I, I, I thoroughly understand. It's just he, at his age, I mean, he's a guaranteed great thing, and you never know with the lottery tickets that you may cash in and that you can return. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we're on opposite sides there, but you're barely on the other side. So yeah, exactly. I, I, just don't see, I don't see Noah striking me as someone who would be in a uh, purgatory of ambiguity or whatever. Maybe that Elias might have that personality more to be kind of wavering. Is there, like, some behind-the-scenes transparency with Craig that maybe we don't see between Noah and uh, regarding the contract? Like, or is he really leading them, like, uncertain? Ask, say that one more time. Like, I, I, Noah doesn't strike me as someone that would play games when regarding a contract or risk the team's stability by not giving an answer. No, I don't. I don't think so either. And honestly, I don't think they've pressured him for for one. I think they have had the ta- the the thing on the table, and then that they they've been you know waiting to yeah. they they've been waiting to hear from him. And at the same time, his play hasn't like declined at all in the same way that Elias has had. You know, even though he was still doing great defensively and everything, but I mean, as long as Noah's not looking like he's playing crappy and distracted by this whole thing, then who cares? And he's been. I, I'll, I'll give I'll give Noah a ton of credit. He's been a straight up pro this entire time. Absolutely, he's an awesome. Um, and let's see, there have anything else? Oh, and uh, interviews with um, Kuzmeko. He seems like he's got a little bit of a Kucherov in him. I can see him getting blitzkrieg if the Flames make the playoffs and giving a great press conference. So. <laughs> That's uh, maybe he's been fun so far <laughs> in those news conferences. I, I don't know. Growing up in San Jose, we had Urbe, and you have like the Urbe version of Russian players. I don't mean like stereotype, but he was just pretty silent and you know, like very quiet. Or you get the really loud. Outgoing ones like. In like fairness, Urbe yeah. was Latvian, not Russian. Is that right? Well, see, I was younger then, so I didn't know things. So I had no idea he was from Riga. I don't know. I don't know if Latvia. he was from Riga, but he, um, <laughs> yeah, he was from Riga, Latvia. Oh, that was a pioneer. He was a pioneer then. Because did he ever play in the Olympics for? Or they probably didn't qualify back then. I guess. I, I don't. You know what? Another time we'll get into Arthur's Urbe's. Um, into his uh he did play here's here's why the, you know what good point here's why because the soviet union still existed when he first started so he did he did play for the red army team but then when the soviet union disbanded he um he then was latvian did the calgarian infrastructure just come back you're able to google stuff now or no no we've had internet the entire time um, just uh, so, uh, some other things have failed here. I just, I, I, you're the fourth most livable city on the planet. I find this concerning that you would lose power at such a crucial hour. Somebody, somebody crashed into a power station, I believe is what happened. Uh, uh le- legitimately, like the power is out because of an accident. So, you know, C train's still running downtown. We're, we're living, we're, we're still on the air. Glad you guys are still doing well and very livable. Uh, good to talk to you, Pat. Glad to have you back. Bye, Rye. Good to talk to you, buddy. Bye. Take care. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 4-1 win on the road in Boston as we say hello to Dale. What's going on, Dale? Hello, Pat. What's up, Dale? 
Yeah, good night to you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. So, you know, I wanted to call in tonight that Shillington, you know, made it to the, the NHL lineup, and I wanted to be completely positive in my call. And then later I was like, well, I can't be completely positive in my call, so I'm not going to call because <laughs> it wasn't a great game. But it's good to see him. It's great. And, yeah, I don't want to lose that that wonderfulness. Um, I have no idea what the guy went through. I've gone through my own mental issues. You've heard my anxiety on the phone, and it's not easy to live with. And I don't even know what his is, but mine's been a challenge at times. So congratulations to the man, and I'll pass it on. Yeah, um, well said, pal. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, you know, I remember I, that looked good today. That was enjoyable to watch a guy because I don't think the team would have been too enthused coming out of the lockout or coming out of the the break with the trade, and they didn't even have a player to put in the lineup. You know, so good on Conroy. I mean, it's really hard to argue with anything he's done so far. Um, he's got a ways to be in Cliff Fletcher uh, recognition, but so far so good. I didn't even think he'd be a good general manager. I thought the guy was a little bit too lax, too happy, too friendly to be, you know, tough-nosed. And, and obviously, he's got a good rapport. And obviously, you know, because that was the big worry. Is the guy going to start making moves that make you go, oh, no, you know, he's a pushover. And he hasn't even come close to that yet. So very impressive start for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I thought about Backlund tonight, too. Um you know, the guy's coming to the end of his career, and he's been a really – I used to think of him he's just way too soft, but, I mean, he's not a hard-nosed player, but, man, is he a smart player, and he could have chose to go somewhere else. And he knew – he knew they're both sweet. He knew Lynn, Lindholm was going to move on, but he decided to sign with the Calgary Flames, and that's pretty impressive because there's no guarantees where this team is going, it's going to win a Stanley Cup. But, you know, that kind of loyalty needs to be respected. I'm sure you and Wes Gilbertson and the other guys you talked to have probably pointed it out before. But I think it needs mentioning that a guy is willing to stick around. Which And, 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 and Dale, you know, that's, that's interesting you bring that up because it's kind of what I was just talking about in the last call with Ryan, right? Like what we were talking about there, that I, as much as I lean towards dealing Hannafin, I still think there's plenty of value in keeping him if he decides to sign for similar reasons that you're talking about. You know, there's value in a guy wanting to stick around, especially an American guy with an opportunity to head to unrestricted free agency. Yeah, but, you know, I, I still think if he was going to sign, he would have signed and by that's now. Fair. And that's yeah, fair. I, yeah, yeah. But I guess the other thing is, is I... On that note, too, I don't know if I really want to try Tanev. And that doesn't mean that, that, that maybe to a certain extent Hannafin is a leader in the dressing room, but I think going forward we can see the youth movement coming. And I think when you look at guys like Coleman and you look at guys like Uyghur and you look at guys especially like Tanev, they can teach the kids a lot. Um, Hannafin, I'm not such a big, big problem with him going. Um, um, but those other guys, they stick their nose in the battle and, and it's rare to see guys stick their nose up 
Oh, for many reasons, I've felt that there's so many guys that have come and put on the flaming sea and it's like, yeah, you know, it's just the flaming sea who really cares. I get a feeling with those other guys. And I think those three really need to be kept until they're into their contracts just to help out the new guys. Cause tonight, I don't know. I mean, sure. Boston wasn't at their best, but that was an impressive game to watch a very impressive game to watch from the flame standpoint. So it'll be interesting to see if it was just Boston didn't really give a crap tonight or, you know, going forward, maybe they don't make the playoffs, but maybe, you know, even if Hannafin goes, they don't fall off the face of the map. Well, and I think that that's what the flames are hoping that they make some of these deals and they stay competitive is, is what I think they're going to try to do, whether or not they're successful in doing so. We'll find out, but I, I do think that's going to be part of the M.O. between now and the end of the regular season. Yeah, as much as I'd like to see them bottom, well, not like to see them bottom out. You know, I was checking, like, Avalanche's roster and, the you know, the top four when you look at Rantanen and you look at McKinnon and Landis Gog, and who's the last one I'm missing? Oh, I he said Rantanen, and he said McKinnon. Oh, McCarr, McCarr. Oh, yeah, Kale McCarr. So yeah. Out of those four, Rantanen, Rantanen was the only one. I think he was 10th overall. And I still think you have to hit that bottom because it's tough to build, you know, because Calgary, uh, give me Calgary's franchise. Give me Calgary's team right now and then throw in a McKinnon and a McCarr. Ha! Yeah, that'd be okay. I, I mean, that'd be all right. I mean, they're contenders. And so I don't know. It's tough to get those kind of guys without hitting bottom. But anyway, good, good game tonight. And, um, yeah, and it's nice to see guys like Coleman and stuff like that. He's got a ring, but he's still <laughs> the guy still gives everything he's got. And I love those kind of players. So, yeah. So, anyway, I'll let you go, Pat. All right, Dale. Good to hear from you, man. Okay, take care. You as well. Talk soon. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a Flames 4-1 win over Boston. Take one more call before we head back inside the Flames locker room. Uh, lots of time, though, to get your phone calls in. Let's say hello to Adrian. What's going on, Adrian? Not much. Thanks for taking my call, Pat. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Uh, my first question for you is about um, the standings. Uh, if you look at the standings, can you tell me who has more wins, Toronto Maple Leafs or the Calgary Flames? Uh, sure. Um, the Flames have fewer wins than the Maple Leafs do. Yeah, now what bothers me is when you look at the regulation wins column and you see that Toronto, I just brought it up too, Toronto has 16 and uh, Calgary has 19. <clears throat> if I precursed this question with like who's the better team, I think you know, anybody out there who follows hockey would say Toronto has the better team. But my problem is is how they do the standings uh, drives me absolutely bonkers. I remember a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but I, how, like, Toronto and Calgary wouldn't affect one another in the standings. Okay, another example. Like, the Golden Knights and us, we were playing two weeks ago, and I can't tell you exactly how many points each team had, but the gap was, like, seven, I think. And you look at our loser points and how we're doing in overtime and shootouts compared to their team. And I just think that with uh, all these loser points, like like you said, uh, Toronto doesn't affect us. But my point is is that there's so many loser points, and how you how you uh, play in overtime and shootouts has a massive massive effect on the standings. Like I, I again, I, I'm not doing the math right now, but if if Calgary was just even 
you know, like four and one in the shootout instead of one and four. And, uh, and Vegas was just a little, you know, a little bit worse than their shootouts. They were one, like if they were one and four instead of four and one, you take those gaps and all those little margins of these little loser points. And it just drives me bonkers that we don't have a league where we have the three, two, one system and people call it parody. Um, and I just, I, I, I just, I, I, hockey, you know? I'm going to, I'm going to jump in Adrian. Yeah, I, it's, it's not, I, I, I feel you. And, and I know there's lots of people who agree with you. I just let's let's keep it pretty focused overall on the Flames as opposed to you know there's a time and place for kind of the overarching league conversations and I and I get where you're coming from I don't personally agree I love the way it is right now but that's fine I just let let's let's keep it more yeah, focused yeah. on the Flames and okay. I and right. that's not to say that I I don't appreciate yeah, the yeah. opinion because I do and I think it's a fun conversation just maybe not right now. Yeah, so my point is when you look at the high-end talent to, like, the, the previous callers, right, like, you know, an Austin Matthews or an Elander versus what we have in the shootout and overtime, I just think it makes a massive, massive difference. We, we, I don't think our team is, is that bad. You know, we have something like balance, but balance isn't going to get you all those overtime and those loser points. And, and uh, you know, we've talked, to, like, other callers have talked about throwing Huberto out, you know, ad nauseum for the shootout. I, I don't know what else a Flames coach could do. You know, we, you know, other than having maybe a specialist or something, like we, we need high-end talent to be able to be like a Toronto Maple Leafs that only has 16 regulation wins but is, you know, sitting in a playoff spot. I, I don't think the margin is that much difference in terms of where we've always been, which is between 7th and 10th. You know, that, high, that high-end talent is, is super necessary to win in the league. And if you look at every single team's $10 million players, some teams can win in spite of their $10 million players, right? Like Darnell Nurse should be paid $9.5 million or, right. you know, uh, the goalie for Florida shouldn't be given $10 million, and they'll win in spite of that, you know, because they're building their high-end talent. I think, you know, as a Flames fan who's been following the team like my whole life, uh, it really, really hurt when we lost Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk because we replaced them with players uh, for about the same amount of money, I would argue, but not necessarily the talent that's necessary to win and so my question for you is when you look at somebody like Johnny Goudreau and he was so close to signing and you look at how our our franchise has been through the ringer with coaches to me you know like if if Johnny Goudreau was like my spouse would I want him to have a coach like uh, Daryl Sutter or would I be much happier with him being with somebody else because I look at our coaching and I know I'm, I'm I'm kind of all over the place here but I know I, like I, I hope that our coach sticks around for a while. He seems like a good guy. Seems like he knows what we're, what he's doing. But I just I, I look at somebody who creates a culture and creates an environment like Daryl Sutter did, and I I'm, I'm wondering what your opinion opinion is because I think that that moved the needle for people like Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau moving on. Living in Calgary and getting through the winters is hard enough, but when you have a coach that's grinding on you all the time, even though you're the best line in hockey, why would you want to play for that guy? Yeah, and I mean, and I, I don't, I don't like. I do think that it it did grind on some guys. I I don't, from what I understand, uh, I don't think the coaching situation had anything to do with Johnny Gaudreau's decision to move on. Okay. I do wonder if it had something to do with Matthew Kachuk's decision, though. I I, I do. I'm not saying so why, it's the only why, reason. Why, why do you think there's a difference between the two? I just think, uh, first of all, I think that the Johnny um, 
responded better and and was okay playing for a coach like Daryl more so than Matthew was, just different personalities. Uh, I've both on and off the record, I've heard people talk about how Johnny responds best to really strict kind of hard-nosed guys like Daryl was. So I don't think that, that Johnny's decision was spurred on by a coach necessarily. But yeah, I do think that it played into Matthew Kachuk's decision to move on, at least partially. Not the only reason. I yeah. still think he would have moved on anyway, but I, I don't think Daryl helped. And, and that's fine. That is what it is. Daryl's going to go into the Hall of Fame and damn well deserves to go into the Hall of Fame as one of the most successful coaches of all time. That can be true and can be true that maybe... By the end of last season, it was clear that it was time to move on, and so yeah. here we are. Okay, and then um, what do you think about like, like for me, it doesn't. I think we're on the same page in terms of Flames making the playoffs, not making the playoffs, staying competitive. But one thing that I really like right now is our forward depth, and I have zero problem with like I don't wish ill will on anybody. But if anybody gets injured, it just seems like the next man up mentality is going to serve us so much better than people who are kind of languishing, kind of, you know, in the middle of the doldrums of their career and kind of dialing it in. We have these guys that are pushing. And, you know, to be a successful organization, you have to have guys constantly in your pipeline who are pushing for ice time, pushing for positions. And that kind of internal competition, I think, is just going to serve us, maybe not on the defensive side of things quite yet, but defenseman side of things, but the, the forwards, it seems like a, a really good group of guys that are, are pushing for ice time. Yeah, and and... and... And there's something to that. And I mean, I we won't know until all of the, I guess, surgery is done. But I think there's something to that, Adrian. I do. Okay. Thanks for all this, Pat. Hey, great, great stuff. Great and, and hey, you, you pivoted real nicely from uh, the beginning to, to where you're going. I wasn't expecting that. That was uh, not, not, to, not to say I wasn't expecting that you could. I just wasn't expecting you to pivot to where you did. That was, uh, that was good. Really good call. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, and I appreciate your pivot as well. So, um, what's that? The the friends, the friends quote. Pivot. Right? Yep, yeah, that's you and me tonight. <laughs> so, thanks for that. <laughs> well done, Adrian. Talk, uh, call back anytime, eh? Yeah, thanks, brother. Thanks, Bye. man. Uh, that was funny. Um, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Have a couple of callers on the on the line right now. Sarah Parsons, stay where you are. Have three lines open though, if you want to chat on this. Tuesday night following an impressive Flames 4-1 win over the Boston Bruins. Phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960 as the Flames start to finish. One of their best efforts of the year, maybe their best effort of the year. That was a heck of an effort. See if they can look somewhat similar against New Jersey in two nights' time. Let's select tonight's player with heart. Brought to you by Heart Fit Clinic. This one's easy. Mick went with Jonathan Huberto as the hardest working flame. You can't not go with Nazem Kadri as the player with heart tonight. Kadri was not only a guy who co-led the team in points tonight with three assists, but he was also one of the best players on the ice. Uh, he had two primary assists of those three assists. Uh, Kadri led the team with eight shot attempts. He led the team with five shots on goal. He led the team with six individual scoring chances, and he led the team with two high-danger scoring chances. Nazem Kadri was a beast and one of the best players on the ice tonight. He is your player with heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Uh, speaking of Nazem Kadri, let's hear from him right now as uh, he spoke post-game following a three-point out 
outing against the Boston Bruins. Well, how about uh, the way that your group has come out here out of the break and um, obviously one of the top teams in the league, as we know, but uh, the effort here tonight from your team. Yeah, absolutely. One of our uh, uh, best of the year, um, obviously against a great team and a tough building. So, uh, you know, very proud of how, how we rattled, uh, rallied and how we responded after, um, you know, some adversity and came out with a big two points. You know, I know there's some new faces and some new looks, but uh, what did you make of the way that the power play uh, kind of asserted itself here early? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I, I mean, if we can do that consistently, that's that's going to be uh, dangerous. So just obviously a, a fresh look. I think, you know, our communications there, we want to, we want to be difference makers, and uh, you know we want to you know snap it around a little bit. So you know we got to continue that and build on it. You have the effort like tonight. What's the key to being consistent and having that go on over and over through this road trip? I think just you know being uh, being able to count on one another. You know bringing it bringing it every single night, which is you know oftentimes easier said than done. But that's what good teams do. That's what playoff teams do. I think. Uh, you know, it's a it's a tough league, especially when you come off an emotional win to just get back right on the horse, you know, a, a day or two later and do it all over again. But, um, you know, that's what we're going to need. What do you see from that top line tonight? Um, yeah, they, they seem to have some early chemistry, which is great to see. And, uh, you know, hopefully it continues. What about, uh, you know, late stages? Obviously, they get the one, the building starts to ramp up a little bit up, you know, trading some power plays there. But maybe the way that your group kind of responded and, and, you know, dug in there to get it done. Yeah, that's that's what I'm most proud of. I mean, obviously, a huge goal by Hubie. Uh, what a shot! He's he's got to use that more often. I mean, uh, you know, picked a great corner, but you know, just that uh, you know bounce back. I don't think we really ever got deflated. We understood we we're controlling most most uh, parts of the game, and uh, you know, we just have to stay with it. You you often said that when you guys play your game, you can beat just about anyone in the league. I'm assuming this is the kind of statement that proves your point. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think. Uh, you know, uh, a, a pack of hyenas can, can take down a lion, you know. So that's uh, the type of mentality that we need is playing as a team and everyone chipping in. And, you know, when we do that, we can we can do, we can can do accomplish great things. Nice uh, quote to wrap it up from Nazem Kadri. Pack of hyenas taking down a lion. Hey, Flames, uh, you want to talk about the good metaphor? Flames played like hyenas tonight. Um, they uh, They were relentless. They were annoying. They were frustrating. I say annoying and frustrating in a good way. Um, they, they they played like it tonight. That's so well said from Nazem Kadri. He helped lead the way. He was he was really good tonight. You know, Huberto had the three points. Kadri had the three points, and I thought Kadri was really really strong tonight. And honestly, has been strong all year long. Let's let's not forget that. But. Really good night from Nazem Kadri as the Flames beat the Boston Bruins by a 4-1 score. This is our Flames Talk post-game show. Pat Steinberg along with you. As you know, we're always available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. He's the Boston kid, and he scored a goal. The 4-1 goal was a power play marker from Noah Hannafin. He spoke inside the Flames locker room following an impressive win over his hometown. Bruins tonight. Well, let's just start with a uh, nice way to come back from the break, I assume, um, against one of the top teams in the league. What did you make of your group's effort tonight? Yeah, I thought it was it was a great effort, honestly. You know, sometimes coming out of breaks like that, you can be a little rusty in certain areas, but I thought we played uh, a really complete game, you know, at, at both ends of the ice. Um, you know, the forwards were, were awesome tonight. You know, forward-checking, back-checking, everything. They, they allowed us to have good gaps all night, and, and that frustrates teams like those, so... Um, just a, a really good effort, you know, out of the break. Did you feel it right away in that in that sense, just that uh, the group was they came ready? Yeah, I think we just we just did the little things well tonight. You know, we weren't we weren't trying to force too much. We were just working hard, 
keeping it simple and uh you know, when you do that over and over again, you know, that's, uh, that's how you have success and, and you, you'll get reward and get those goals. So, um, just a good effort. Yeah. You call that end to end, did you? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the first ones for me doing that, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was nice. Just, uh, saw a little bit of an opening there and just wanted to take it. And, um, you know, power play I thought was, was, was good tonight. You know, I thought we could have even maybe have had three, um, just moving the puck around and, um, you know, Kuzi's been, uh, he, he was great tonight out there and, and really making some good plays with the puck, so it was awesome. You continue to score here at home. A number of years you've come into Boston and it goes out saying you like playing here, but then you continue to, to provide some offense. I don't know what it is. It's pretty weird, but um, yeah, it's always it's always fun playing playing here in front of family and friends. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, happy we got the win tonight in front of everybody. It's a, it's a good hockey team over there, so just a, a lot of fun out there tonight. What does it say about the character of this team to, to put in an effort like that in a tough building like this? You're down a player. There was a lot of things going against you. Yeah, it was it was a great effort. I mean, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think sometimes when you come out of a break like that, it's really easy just to be complacent out there and just play that easy, soft game. And I thought we did, we played really hard. And, um, you know, when we lost Posp, you know, he's a huge part of the team and uh, losing him early hurts. So... I thought uh, the forwards did a great job tonight just sticking with it and, and, uh, and playing the right way. When they got that one, this building gets pretty loud, so mm-hmm. I'm assuming the response was a big focus mm-hmm. for you guys on the bench. Can you sort of take us through those moments and what allowed you guys to, to stem it so quickly? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, that was a fortunate you know, bounce back, you know, getting that, that to a four on four. You know, they got a really good power play and, you know, having that uh, the five on three is tough. You know, we, I thought we did actually a pretty good job at managing it um, up until that goal, just a weird little tip but off my stick. But, uh yeah, it was a, that was a huge bounce back, especially in a building like this. They get a lot of momentum and they score. There you go. Noah Hannafin game after another solid night from him and Chris Tanev. Uh, he also scored a goal as part of a 4-1 win over the Boston Bruins. Uh, that is game one of a four-game road trip. It's time to look ahead. Looking ahead brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics biotech.com next up on this four game road trip Thursday night in New Jersey it's a 5 o'clock face off on Sportsnet West and of course live right here on Sportsnet 960 the fans second of two meetings between the Flames and Devils this season New Jersey took the first meeting 4-2 at the Dome back on December 9th Yegor Sharon Govich's return to Newark on Thursday as well overall Calgary's lost their last three head to head games with New Jersey so three straight losses to the Devils going into this one. Uh, This road trip continues Saturday against the New York Islanders. That's an 11 a.m. start in Calgary and then concludes Monday when they take on the New York Rangers at 5 o'clock. There you go. That is Looking Ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Let's uh, head back to the text line at 960-960 on this busy Thursday night. Uh, Lots of text to get to. Let's jump in. Uh, this from Derek in Edmonton. Great first game back all around by the team. Kuzmenko gets his first out of the way early. What are your initial impressions for so many new faces back in the lineup tonight? I, I thought they all looked good. Pelche, Rooney both had strong games in their season debuts. Kuzmenko, I thought, looked very dangerous and dynamic, especially in the offensive zone. Scored the goal, of course, but had a few other forays. 
Almost had an assist on a Huberdeau goal. Thought he looked dynamic a, a lot of the time when they were in the offensive zone. The most important takeaway for me on Kuzmenko was what it seemed to bring out in Huberdeau, though, which is massively important. So I thought that was a positive first step. Uh, and I thought Pahal played with some physicality. It's all one game, but it's a, a nice start and uh, a nice way to get things going from the Flames. Um, this says, what do you think of the Flames going for Sillinger and Bean from the Blue Jackets? Both players are RFAs and could fit the plan Conroy's doing. If so, what would the Flames need to give up? I, I, I don't think here. Um, yeah, I don't, um, I don't know. I don't think that that is the type of deal Columbus is going to be making. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think that the Blue Jackets who are going young and are trying to get back to the playoffs but are rebuilding themselves are going to be trading away those type of young players myself, but um, that, that's just me. Uh, this says, great game. Love the compete from the boys. So nice to see some heart at this point of the season. This reads, um, Pat, Few thoughts and questions. First, just want to say that an organization doesn't have to use the word rebuild for there to ever really be one. If the Flames are young enough without any serious talent on their team, taking into consideration injuries that can happen throughout the year, there sometimes is just no way to avoid a rebuild or drafting in the top five, if not at the absolute top. I also want these players to play their best. I want them to get good experience, and I want to see them grow. They won't grow if they're... Uh, no good, and they have to learn through making mistakes and losing games, maybe more than they would wish. Wish, but if the Flames ice a really good, young, if a, let's try that again, if the Flames ice a really young team next year and for the next few years to come, there's no reason why they can't be a bottom feeder in the league. Also, if the Flames trade everybody away like everybody wants, how on earth do they plan on hitting the salary cap floor? Do they have intentions of being a cap team over the next years while they become younger in draft talent? Because if management doesn't like spending money unnecessarily, wouldn't the next few years be a great opportunity to save that cash? And finally, who wins the Super Bowl? Have a great night. Um, do I think they're going to be a cap team? Not necessarily. Do I think that they're going to be a team that completely sells off? No, I do not. I don't think that we're going to necessarily see them bottom out the way a lot of people want them to, to the extent where they'd be getting a top three, four pick. But I do think that if they go younger, they, they might have to take a step back standings wise. We'll see. Uh, and we'll see how, look, they've only made a few of the trades. There's still more to come. Let's, let's see how they, let's see how they shape up for next year's training camp before we, you know, give a, a real declaration on how young they're going to go and how much of a retool this is going to be. Right. Uh, as for who wins the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't want to see it, but I think it's going to be Kansas City. I really do. Um, I'm hoping that I'm jinxing it, but I do think KC's going to win. Uh, this says, Pat, it may be just one game, but at least the first line looked dangerous and creative. Along with everyone else, it's only one game, but the Flames looked fun, and there seems to be hope. Best to Laddie. That's from Tim and Red Deer. Uh, and I like that word. Creative is the one thing that we saw on a Huberdo line that we haven't seen very much of at all. How many times have we come away from a game saying that the Huberdo line was creative tonight? That's a good word, Tim. Kuzmenko was part of it. but So was Huberdo. His passes were bang on. He also scored the goal, which was pinpoint, but his passes were extremely on the money. And a few of them he made in a creative way. Kuzmenko, same thing. Sharon Govich was steady down the middle. Again, 
early. One game, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but a nice start. Uh, This from Dan and Cochran, who writes, Great game tonight. Enjoy the wins. Embrace the losses. To me, I would definitely be trading Hannafin. Now that Lindholm's gone, they need a new 1C before they can even think Stanley Cup. They need as many lottery tickets as possible to get that player. And if their own pick gets closer to the top of the draft, that's a bonus. If they re-sign Hannafin and don't find a legit C, they're still spinning their tires. That's from Dan in Cochrane. Uh, this reads from Rick in Lakeview. Great win, Pat. First best thoughts for the one and only Lanny. They'd be part of a better place if more people had half of his class. Uh, we'd be part of a better place, rather, if more people had half of his class. I'm glad that outnumbering the tear it down to the studs fans like Carson, um, there are many more who have realized that retooling on the fly is not pie in the sky. Get Tanev dealt and Hannafin figured out. The team needs the light and load excited for the next few weeks. I do think there's something to that light and load and quieting the noise around this team as well, which started a little bit with the Lindholm trade and more so when these other decisions get made around Hannafin and Tanev. Anand writes, hello, Anand. Happy Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed the break. Fantastic game. Great team performance. Kuzmenko, Zeri, Hannafin, Huberdo. Great power play effort. Just a uh, bit disappointed with taking those penalties. Good job by Markstrom as well. Was on the call queue, but doing too much multitasking, uh, so he couldn't uh, come on with us. Uh, This from Kyle, who says, Pat, I think Hannafin will get more than Lindholm if they trade him. Your thoughts? I don't know. Lindholm's the the forward. He's the Selkie Trophy guy. He's a potential 1C. He's definitely a 2C, but Hannafin's younger. He's kind of a 2-3-D. I, I think it can be comparable, especially maybe not on the quantity side of things, but on the quality side of things. The key assets, I, I think that there's a really good chance that a, a deal could at the very least be comparable. Robin Coldale says, I believe Kuzmenko might very well be a keeper. I don't think they should flip him. Again, I, I think it's way too early one way or the other to make any type of declaration there. But a nice start. Uh, this says, just want to say, I hope Mr. Lanny McDonald gets well soon. Got the opportunity to meet him and his lovely wife, Ardell. They could not be any nicer. Truly two living legends. Flames looked awesome tonight. This from Sam. That was a fantastic game beginning to end. Perhaps one of their best all year. Really thought the new line combos clicked. Kuzmenko, Huberdo, and... Sharon Govich had a great first game together. Uh, Pahal looked solid and physical, though I didn't agree on the five-minute major in-game misconduct for Pospisil. He brings grit with some offensive punch to the lineup. Kind of gives me old Furlan vibes. I feel this four-game Eastern road trip is a perfect final showcase for the pending UFAs that comes from San. Uh, Sam. rather. Let's head out to uh, the Lower Mainland in the Fraser Valley as Brian and Pitt Meadows says, Great show, boys. My goodness, was that game night and day from the Chicago game. I finally can say I'm really excited for the future. Great job, Conroy. And I know it's one game, but hey, they better keep Tanev unless they get a first rounder. Go Flames, go. Uh, This says, Great game, great effort, but it's meaningless right now. Long way to go. Nobody says it means anything more than any other game. It just was a solid effort from them tonight. Um... This says um, 960, 960. I'm just reading through some other text that we can still read here, making sure that we get to lots of them. Uh, This from 
Randy and Cochran says, I've been a Bruins fan for over 60 years. They don't have many nights like this, but this wasn't self-induced. It was all about how well the Flames played. Most impressive part for me was they got the lead and they really stuck with their game. I love their team toughness, played for each other. Um, go Bruins. Um, that comes from Robin Cochran. Randy and Cochran, rather. Sorry, Randy. Um, this says, so nice to not have anything to say. Very impressive. This from Ash. First and foremost, we're very lucky as Flames fans uh, to have you interrupt your vacation for a Lindholm trade podcast. Thanks again. You're welcome, of course. Uh, as for today's game, that was by far Huberto's best as a Flame. The fourth line was solid. Would have loved for Rooney to bury that high-danger chance. I also thought the Bruins fanned on a lot of shot attempts and consistently bobbled passes. Yeah, I agree. They, they did not look very good. Um, this says great game by the Flames. Seemed like they had jump and energy from the drop, and they maintained it all game. Win or lose, if they play like that during this transition year, it'll make for some good, enjoyable hockey to watch down the stretch. Few more texts before we get back to the text line. It doesn't bother me if the Flames take a step back rebuilding, but they need to establish a culture where they're not a player's destination of last resort. Kuzmenko will score some goals for the Flames, but he won't do anything for their culture. He should have been on Conroy's list of 12 players. Players that they don't want. Uh, this says the Flames look like a contender. They beat an excellent team on home ice. The power play for the first time this season looked dangerous, and Huberdo stripped the puck from an opponent, walked in and finished with authority, then capped it off with a three-point night. Best performance from the team this year, hands down. Now the question is, can they start to display lists like this on a more consistent basis, or do they fall back into a lethargic mindset and look into uh, look like an apathetic team that we've seen so many nights? Question for you, Pat, does Hannafin get traded or does he stay? Do you think he wants to go to a top-notch contender or stay? I don't have a read on what he's going to do. I really don't. But I still think the door is open that he could return. I, I honestly don't know how to handicap it. I can tell you what I think they should do. Do I think that I, I don't really have a read? I mean, the fact that he hasn't signed yet makes it so that I can't be much more than 50-50 on Hannafin staying or leaving, but that's kind of where I am right now because it's Feb 6 and he still hasn't signed. Um, Brendan and Crossfield, I know it's only one game, but the line of Kuzmenko, Sharon Govich, and Huberto seem to work well. If Huberto continues to play like that, he's going to be the leader of that forward group. Also, Pahal didn't look out of place, added some bite from the back end, which was nice to see. And finally, totally different Flames team from start to finish. Kuzmenko looked like a very good fit in his first game with the Flames. There you go. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. Appreciate it. As always, let's head back to the phone lines. Still have time for a few more calls on this Tuesday night following a Flames 4-1 win over the Boston Bruins. And Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post-game show, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Thought we were going to this guy earlier. It ended up being Carson. This time it is Parsons, who's up next with us. What's going on, Parsons? Hey, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I love that game. That was a good game. Uh, that was a good game. I thought uh, from, you know, besides the the brief penalty trouble there, I, I thought, you know, from beginning to end, I thought the boys played for each other and they played with pace, especially after having, you know, an extended period off. But... You know, they probably needed that, obviously, uh, as well as many other teams did. But, um, you know, uh, I thought it was a really good game. 
you know, I, I know we question sometimes how we play better against top teams and not so much uh, the lower rung teams, but I guess probably the same thing could be said for other teams. Like maybe Boston was taking us a bit loosely, but probably I, were, I, I mean, they, they probably were. Uh, I bet you if Boston's playing Toronto or if Boston's playing the Rangers or another one of the better West Eastern Conference teams, Tampa Bay, whatever, and I know that not all those teams are, are sitting in playoff spots, but you get what I'm saying. I bet you if they're mm-hmm. playing one of those teams out of the break, they do look a little bit better. I do think they took the Flames lightly, and I bet other teams will this year as well. That is what it is. When you're a team that is flirting with 500 at best like Calgary is, yeah, well, you're going to have opportunities to punch teams in the mouth that maybe, especially down the stretch here, that maybe take you lightly. And, and good on the Flames for taking advantage of it. Oh, absolutely. And I, I give the Flames all the credit tonight because, I mean, even in the second, we held them, what, 12 minutes without a shot on net. I mean, that that's pretty impressive when you're playing the Bruins, um, in my opinion. I mean, because all the rest of the stats, box score-wise, were – Pretty darn close, except, you know, giveaways and takeaways. But uh, I will say that, you know, five on five attempts uh, vastly favored the Flames. Uh, yes, they, yes. They, they were able to hold the Bruins to just six high dangers at five on five for a chasing team or what should have been a chasing team. That's Im- impressive as well. Absolutely. Like uh, by the eye test, we definitely carried the play for most of the game. So. And I was I was pretty happy that our power play looked pretty lethal tonight. Um, that was really nice to see, and the spark, um, you know, as well as lethal Kadri, I thought looked really lethal tonight. Pat, I just want to say this about Kadri. You know, I think he's been quietly leading by example. You know, especially with these young fellows, and he's having a really mature, uh, consistent season. And um, he, he's really being a great role model, I think, you know, with these guys. And um, I thought, yeah, I, I think he had like five shots on that tonight. Yep. Um, Pretty much led the team in every individual metric. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. So good on him. I, I'm, you know, from last year to this year, um, I'm really happy with him. And I, I'm really happy to see him kind of turn it around from what he was kind of doing near the tail end of last year. But um, and I thought Huberto had a really good game too. He contributed. It's nice to see him kind of get on the board. I think that helps his, um, you know, his confidence, and it's just going to help the team. The Landholm trade, um, I like it. I like the return. Um, I thought there's, you know, as these things are going to play it over the years, but I, you know. For a guy who's a UFA, he wasn't really. I don't. I don't want to say he he was checked out, Pat, but it, it felt like it was definitely waning on him. Yeah, so, that's a good way of putting it. Um, so I love the return, uh, Brastevich. He looks like a solid prospect. You know, getting a first and a conditional fourth uh, Euro. Um, what can you say? I, I think Connie pulled it off again, um, but we'll see. But. I mean, even getting the first and the fourth and that really good prospect in Brastevich, I think it's I think it's a win. And not just that, but you got Kuzmenko, who I'm excited about as an asset in general, you know, and the potential options that he has for the team going forward. Mm-hmm. So overall, I mean, I, I 
And here's another thing. I thought uh, Pahal was a sneaky good pickup by Conroy. Um, this guy's got size. I, I kind of did a little digging on him. He, he's a gritty guy, and he's a leader. And I know he's not going to put up a ton of points, but you know he's a right-handed guy with some smarts, good IQ, and he plays physically. And I believe he was a captain in the Western League as well. He was, yeah. Yeah, he's been a captain on, on every team in juniors and everything he's played on. So I really love that pickup, and he did not look out of place tonight. So, um, I mean, <laughs> overall good game. I, I, I think between Kuzi and Pelts, like how can there, you know, never not be any smiles in that dressing room right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, I thought the team looked a little bit more lighter and creative tonight, buddy. And uh, But at the same time, everyone played for each other, and they looked tight. So... Um, I just feel like there's a little bit of weight lifted off of them, and uh, they're playing a little looser, but uh, smart. So, All right, Pars. Good to hear from you, man. Thank you, sir. We'll talk soon. You bet. Thanks, buddy. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames win 4-1 on the road in Boston with Randy up next. What's going on? Uh, actually, you know what? It's Sarah up next. Just going in order of who's been on hold longest. Randy, you're next. Sarah is up next. What's going on, Sarah? Hey, Pat. It's your favorite Canucks fan. Well, now you actually have a reason to uh, to chat with us. Oh, come on. You missed my calls when I don't of call. Of course I do. <laughs> Um, yeah, you had to know the, the first game after the trade, I'd be calling it. <laughs> well, yeah, and especially after both guys score. Uh, it made me so happy to see Kuzmenko score like immediately because I have to be honest. Um, I get sick of having to defend like Vancouver players when they come to Calgary. Uh, I cried buckets when Tanev signed with the Flames. I will be 100% honest. And um, I had to defend him for months and months and months. And then everyone was like, oh, he's actually good. And I was like, I hate all of you. So this time I feel like he wasn't a great fit with our team with the new coach. Um, I really like Talkit, but um, he just, they didn't jive. And I, that's cool. Um, but I was glad to see him score tonight, and he was so excited looking. So that was great. And then Lindholm scores twice for us tonight. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest trade ever. But more importantly, the Flames beat Boston. My team won, so we're back at the top. And as long as the Golden Knights can do their job tonight and beat the Oilers, everything is great in the hockey world. Yeah, fair enough. And I think that um, you, you've got – uh, resounding, um, resounding agreements on that last part. <laughs> well, hopefully they can pull this off in the third because right now they're tied one-one. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Um, but yeah, that was like legitimately. I just uh, have to say I was grateful to see um, the team kind of like gel tonight um, for both teams. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, like I think. I think it's going to go well for everybody kind of moving forward, which is kind of nice. And hopefully this is just the second of uh, three trades that the Flames and Canucks do this year. Oh, are you, are you thinking they'll bring number eight back as well? Oh, God, I hope so. I, uh, I, I know that somebody else, and I, oh, man, I can't remember who it was. Somebody commented on Tanov being, like, that type of player who really, like, brings a lot of, like, um, stability to a locker room and 
I think, I think that's really true, but also this is like my little selfish Canuck heart here talking. Um, I would love to see if we're going to make a run this year, I would love to see him back with the team because he did it back with us when we, uh, when we met up with Boston. I, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think Vancouver is going to keep chasing. I think Toronto is uh, is a team to watch. I think New Jersey is a team to watch. I think there are probably yeah. two or three others, and and I think there will be a bit of a bidding war if when Tanev ends up getting moved. No, oh, yes, I know, and that's the problem is we've given up a lot of assets to get Lindholm. So um, hopefully we can uh, we can work out some three way trade here where we can send Zadorov to some mystery team and uh, take Tanev back instead. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I'll, I'll say this much about Tanev. Dude is a culture setter. That guy's a culture guy. He comes in yeah. and, and, you know, I already think they've got some guys like that in that locker room. You know, Quinn Hughes has taken over as the captain and, you know, yeah. Elias Pettersson is dialed on winning and, and I think Demko's that type of guy. Uh, and there's a few others that they've brought in over the years and, and that they, they have on that, on that roster that, that would be in that mix. But, I don't know if they have anybody quite like Tanev because I don't know if there are many guys quite like him in the league. That guy's a culture guy, has been the mm-hmm. minute he stepped foot inside the Flames locker room and will be until his final step in the Flames locker room, whether it's this season, whether it's at the end of this season, whenever that ends up being. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a cute little aside about Tanev. Um, a lot of the, the younger Canucks used to call him dad yes. because they would have him over for dinner on like Sunday nights. And I was like, that is adorable. But that's, I think speaks a lot to who he is as a person, as well as a player. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks Pat. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Next time I have a grievance about something the flames have done to mess up my team. <laughs> And they play the Canucks twice more this year, too. So I'm sure we'll, we'll hear from you. Well, which is also too. excellent for me. So. <laughs> uh, thank you, Sarah. Good to hear from you, hey? Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, will do. Uh, let's say hello to Nick following a 4-1 win in Boston. What's going on, Nick? Yeah, Pat, thanks for taking my call. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? Well, good. Hopefully I can make it through this call here. I'm having a bit of a coughing uh, episode. I'll see how she goes here. Uh, you know, I was just thinking, uh, geez, it's a good thing you weren't out uh, day drinking uh, in Coquitlam the, the, the night that uh, Lindholm got traded. Uh, or at least if you did, um, you sounded coherent. I was not. I, uh, it, was, it was more of a family trip. My brother's out in Coquitlam with his, uh, with his wife, so I was there to see my brother, my sister-in-law, and my little eight-month, uh, eight-month-old nephews. So I was out there just to, to hang with the fam, and you know, me and my bro are really close. So it was, uh, it, was, it was a family trip. It was a weekday it's Coquitlam. It's a nice. It's a nice suburb. It's. It's. I have nothing but good things to say about Coquitlam. Not your um, prototypical day drinking spot, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and it was a work trip too, so maybe you can write something off there. Ha! Maybe I will do that. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah. No. So yeah. Really good results here tonight. It was great to see that. You know, you would think that to hear that Calgary winning in Boston, you would think that oh, Markstrom's going to be need to be standing on his head and they didn't really have to rely on them that, that much. Like, it was really a good result to, to see it uh, come out that way. Um, you know, for people who are thinking, uh, oh, that the sky, or I, I was thinking maybe for somebody like uh, like Noah Hannafin, um, you know, if, if or sorry, I'm going in circles here. 
Um, you know, for people who are thinking that, uh, well, the sky might be falling now that Calgary's traded away their, their number one center, um, yeah, I like to think that there is a, you know, a plan in place that a future um, seems to be coming together. You know, hopefully somebody like Noah Hannafin, when he sees that the sky isn't falling, that he might be incentivized to, to stick around if that's the case. That, that could very well be the case, and, and that might uh, be something that absolutely uh, he looks at and says is, is part of the reason why, if he does resign, why he does. I, I, I think that there is something to that. Look, the Flames have fl- shown some flashes this year where they've been a solid team. They've also been an extremely inconsistent team, but they've shown flashes without a doubt. And uh, that and, and maybe there was some worry about, okay, well, what happens if Lindholm ends up getting traded? Remember, Noah and Lindholm came to the team together. They came up together in Carolina and then, and then joined the Flames together at the same time. But maybe there was a, lot, a little thought of, okay, well, what happens once he's traded? Does that mean the sky is falling? What's life look like without Elias? And if it's good, maybe that is exactly what, what Hannafin needs. Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, you know, Pat, I heard your part of your discussion this afternoon on your show about uh, you know sort of the lack of defensive prowess on the on the new number one line now. You know, so that's going to be a lot of pressure on Sharon Govich to sort of get up to speed to being a center. Um, you know, I've also heard a couple of uh, callers and one of your texters referring to the fact that Calgary really doesn't have much of a another number one center here anymore. Um, you know, I was just mentioning Hannafin. Like, you know, if he does decide to uh, to stay in Calgary, it would be a really interesting experiment to see him converted to a forward, to being center. Like, I mean, physically, he's a bigger, stronger, faster. Nick, and I, I don't, I don't want to – it just he's – a, he's a high-end defenseman. Um, like, you, you don't usually convert guys who are really good defensemen into forwards quite like you do – like – there's only a certain type of player that can play po- both positions, you know? So I don't want to like, I don't want to shut you down or be flipping. It just, it happens so rarely, right? No, admittedly it is rare. Um, yeah. I was just thinking, I think Bufflin was the last one who was converted. Bufflin and he went Bu- the other way. And- yeah. And same with Burns. Uh, right. You know, he kind of went the other way too. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I was even thinking of that is because he does, you know, obviously being a defenseman, he would be a lot more sensitive to the defensive needs of being a forward. And, um, and, and I mean, you see the way he skates, like he would really be well as a forward. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. I mean, it's rare to see that happen to, to be converted. But no, it was just a thought. No, and, I, and, and, and um, that's, that's fine. I, I, don't, I don't see it happening myself. Um, and, and honestly, I don't, I don't think it should personally, it, it should happen. And I only say that because I think he's got a ton of value to this team playing defense. I really do. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right, Pat. Thanks for your call. Okay, Nick, you be well. Yeah, you too. And let's uh, wrap it up on our phone lines tonight by saying hello to Randy. What's going on, Randy? Hey, Pat. Not a whole lot, man. It's really nice to hear all the fans and all the Texans. It's nice. And someone the flames lose you get all the all the frustration out on your show it's uh it's nice to hear and uh if i may before i get going i just say well, i love your show uh vickers uh, wilsey everybody on your show listen to it all the time um so just wanted to give you that appreciate um, that I don't get a chance, absolutely i don't get a chance to call in too much uh but um the game was awesome i was at the edge of my seat and i haven't been like that all year i mean like you said, they've had their spurts, they've had their 
their games where they've shown flashes. But this was awesome to watch. Like, I was thrilled to death. And I felt kind of sad for Markstrom. I was hoping he'd get that shutout tonight. Yeah, I know. I was all... Uh... I was I, I had uh, I had his last back-to-back shutouts all ready to go uh, in terms of the stats. The last time he's done that was uh, in October of 2021. Uh, I think it was October 28th and 30th when he had back-to-back shutouts and back-to-back four nothing Flames wins. Uh, he was one you know one shot away from going back-to-back shutouts because he blanked Chicago in their last game. Correct. Absolutely. No. I, just a great game. I mean. All your uh, Texas and last callers pretty much touched on everything, and so did you there, like everything I really wanted to talk about. But, yeah, great game. Um, the new guys, fantastic to see. Wow, like the spark they lit up was just unbelievable. Um, I phoned up my buddy and said, you've got to watch this game, man. Like, this is, this is crazy. This is I, I haven't seen this in a while, and I, I really hope they, they continue it. Like I know, like you said, it's only one game. And, you know, who knows? Let's see what the next game is. They can be consistent, like Edmonton. By the way, did, did they win tonight? I didn't, uh, I didn't as know. we're talking right now, they're uh, in the third period in a 1-1 tie with Vegas. Oh, wow. Well, go Vegas. <laughs> Agreed. I'm not, an, I'm not an Edmonton fan. <laughs> Nor should you be. But kudos to them. I mean, you got to say, I've talked to a lot of people, kudos to them. I mean, I, coaching change. Boom, and they they explode like that. Unbelievable. It's been it's. I mean, you can't sit here and say it's been anything but impressive. They've been ridiculous. One hundred percent. Like you, you can't say anything else but like it's just it's crazy. But no, oh well, good for them, and I hope the Flames can continue doing what they're doing and get into the playoffs. That's that's the ultimate goal, and I think Connie's got his head on right, and he's doing the right thing, and he's doing everything, and. And all the best to Lanny. I don't know if he's listening. I know a few callers and that have said, and I'd like to say it as well. I've never met the man, but uh, I've watched him since he came to Calgary. Uh, I've been a Flame fan since he came to Calgary, and uh, he is he's, he's a great man and a great ambassador for, for Calgary, and, uh, and I wish him all the best to him and his wife. I really do. Yeah, that man uh, embodies the city and embodies class uh, with uh, him and, and his wife, Ardell. They're... Uh... They are royalty for a reason in this city, and uh, it's it's awesome to hear that he's he's recovering and doing all right. And uh, yes, no doubt, still thoughts and prayers, and 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 just overall good vibes going Lanny's way. So well said, hundred percent. Thank you, thank you so much. And I think the, pretty much the city all feels the same way about that as well, Pat. Well, anyway, I won't keep you. Great game. I'd love to talk about trades and stuff, but you know, like it's it's kind of up the air and see what Connie's going to do. Um, I was talking to uh, Croner, and uh, he oh, feels poor that, soul. Uh, I, well, <laughs> well, I really respect the man. I, I am his uh, his son plays on my grandson's hockey team. So, oh, nice! Yeah, had a great chat with him, and uh, no, he's a, he's uh, a beauty. I would take, I would die for him. I, you know, honestly, I wish I knew him more. I'm, I hope uh, for the rest of the season I can get to know him better. Like I really do. Uh, very nice man. Wife, family is super nice. Um, um, just, just a great man. And I love him on your show. I laugh every time he gets on your show. It's just, <laughs> he's great. He's yeah. Great. I'm a big fan. Yep. Me too. Oh, I wanted to ask you about Lou. I miss him too. How's he doing? Doing well. He's, uh, scouting with the flames. Um, Seriously? yeah, wow. he's, uh, he's, uh, doing some reserve list scouting for the flames and, and 
essentially he is kind of in a spot where he's looking at, I, 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 I don't know, uh, probably, I don't know what, what exactly I, I can say, but um, basically he's, he's looking at, at other players on other teams and, and um, potentially targeting some players that, that they might be able to uh, help bring into the organization if they do make trades. Like, wouldn't surprise me if he had eyes all over Pahal, uh, who they just got on waivers, for instance. So that's kind of that's what his role has transitioned to, and uh, he started that in September. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, um, listening to him, like I tuned into him all the time when you guys were chatting. That man, there isn't anything that man doesn't know about hockey. He can just pull it up like that and just like, wow, absolutely amazing. So the Flames got a good man there, like unbelievable. Like he he knows everything about players. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive memory. We we oh, we, uh, we saw it firsthand scary here for a decade. Oh, I've listened to him since he's been on your show, man. Just uh, if you ever see him, say hello from a fan. My name, you know my name, and uh, I miss him terribly. And I wish him all the best. And and the Flames got themselves a good man there. Well, uh, Randy, uh, agreed, and uh, you have yourself a great night, man. You uh, Thanks, appreciate the call, and uh, yeah, if I, uh, awesome. if I see Lou I'll, Lou, I'll make sure I pass that on. Please, I would appreciate that, Pat. Great, you have a great night, man, and uh, great talking to you. Thank you, Randy. You bet, man. Take care. And that will wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Great stuff on the phone line, as per phone lines, rather, as per usual. Great stuff on the text line, everybody, at 96960. Thank you for joining in, and uh, thank you for talking some flames after an impressive 4 1 win over the Boston Bruins. Um, as we start to move towards the conclusion of our Flames Talk post-game show, it's Steinberg along with you. It's time for our final summary. Here's how this one went tonight in what was almost a start-to-finish, fully complete, like tragically hip, fully completely. Um, I know that you know, that's not the correct grammar, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, fully complete effort from the Flames tonight. Uh, and here's how it went. Uh, the Flames opened the scoring at the 420 mark of the first period. And guess who? In his first game, as a member of the Flames, Andre Kuzmenko with a power play laser beam to make it one nothing overall. Kuzmenko's ninth of the year, first as a Flame from Jonathan Huberdo and Nazem Kadri at 4:20, and the eventual game winner came less than nine minutes later as a nice finish from Connor Zeri made it two nothing. Zeri's 11th from Kadri at 13:01, and the Flames led two nothing after 20 minutes of play. No scoring in the second period which was good for the Flames. What was bad for the Flames was their first few minutes of the third because they got into penalty trouble, and that penalty trouble allowed them to give the Bruins a five-on-three, extended five-on-three power play that they scored on. Pavel Zaka makes it 2-1 with his 11th of the year. David Pasternak and Charlie Coyle draw the assists at 4.14 to make it 2-1. And the Bruins still had, because it was a double minor that uh, put them on the five-on-three, they still had more than three minutes of power play time to go after that. They looked dangerous. And then they took a really bad too many men on the ice penalty to negate the rest of their power play. And the Flames made him pay four on four with an absolute Jonathan Huberdeau snipe uh, just over two minutes after the Bruins got on the board to silence TD Garden. Huberdeau's seventh of the year from Kadri at 623 to make it 3-1. Then a little more than three minutes after that on the power play, Noah Hannafin, the Boston kid, makes it 4-1 with his ninth of the year. Hannafin from Huberdeau and Jacob Markstrom at 9 4 
44. That power play goal made it 4-1. That would end up being your final score. Final shots, 29-22 in favor of Calgary. Flames go 2-4 on the power play. Boston 1-4 with the man advantage. Your three stars, all Flames. Number three, Noah Hannafin. Number two with three assists, Nazem Kadri. And number one with a goal and three points, Jonathan Huberdeau. With the win, Calgary improves to 23-22-5. They're back in action Thursday on the road in New Jersey. Well, Boston drops to 31-10-9. They're back in action Thursday at home to Vancouver. That is your final summary. Now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and special shout-out, he's always outstanding, but uh, quick thinking uh, when we did, uh, well, we had to quick think tonight because the power went out downtown. We've been doing the uh, entire Flames Talk postgame in the dark like full-on pitch dark here at our downtown studios and uh, great work to keep everything on the rails from Azam Ali Nanji, our outstanding producer. Uh, that'll do it for our uh, Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned, next up for the Flames, Thursday night in New Jersey, 5 o'clock face-off, 4 o'clock warm-up here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Your final score from TD Garden in Boston. An impressive one for the Flames. They beat the Bruins 4-1. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show, available wherever you get your podcasts, and this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.